Hi, this is Steve. To finish up our month of Kane, John and I are doing something we've never done before. A complete commentary track for the film. This is something many of you have requested over and over again. And the truth is, we had a ball doing it. However, since this is such an experiment, we would love to find out if you want us to do more. And if so, which film would you like us to do a commentary track on next? One thing is certain, however, John and I have devoted more time to breaking down this film than any other in the history of the cinephiles. But frankly, we could have kept going because Citizen Kane is one of those movies that you never really get to the bottom of. And if after all of this, you still haven't sat down to watch the movie, don't forget you can buy Kane and any other movie we've ever talked about on our website, cinephiles.net. That's C-I-N-E dash F-I-L-E-S dot net. So grab your Blu-ray and get ready for our first ever commentary track, Citizen Kane, this Friday on The Cinephiles. Hello and welcome once again to The Cinephiles, where each week we enter the world of a great film, we explore its themes, the history, the filmmaking, and the influence it has on us today. My name is Steve Morris. I'm a filmmaker and directing instructor in Los Angeles, California. Hello, everyone. My name is John Roca. I'm a voiceover actor, host, writer, producer, all those things that you've heard about in the news, on your Twitter feeds and social medias. And I'm rested and relaxed after a nice break. Me too. Yeah, it's been nice not to, to, to be able to relax and chill out. And I've been really selfish with my time Me too. because I've been so busy this year. So I am looking forward to what we're doing today. This is something we've been talking about literally since we started the show. We've been talking about this for years <laughs> yeah. and then since we started the show as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, and, and this is our, we're in the month of Cain. Mm -hmm. It was finally time. I felt like we had enough practice under our belts. Yeah, to, I'm glad you finally came around. Yeah. Look, I was scared. I mean, this is, you know... <laughs> This is the big one. That's interesting, Steve and I. I what, what's the what's the quote? Uh, I go where fools was it? I rush in where, 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 fools. where fools rush in is me. Yeah, and Steve is more methodical, cautious. and he's cautious. more he is more cautious. And thank God that he is, because you know sometimes well, that's I the best approach. I think it's a good balance. Yeah, it's a good. I agree. It's a good balance. I agree. Sometimes you rush in and force me to follow, and that's <laughs> the challenges truth. me and makes sometimes me... you grab my hood and, and keep me from rushing whoa, 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 in, so whoa. we don't fall uh, into the. But we're, yeah. we're into the month of Cain. We had a great conversation about uh, Orson Welles, just in general. Yes, we've done our huge, huge uh, podcast on Citizen Kane itself, and now we are doing for the first time on the Cinephiles an entire movie commentary track. Yeah, yeah, we had tried. This a little bit with the experiment, now. yeah, yeah, like Tim, and that was like months ago. That was a year ago, yeah, a year, year ago. ago. And people liked the commentary, yeah. So we thought, well, this is going to be a month of Kane. We might as well give what is arguably our favorite film, maybe collectively. Uh, I, I, a, yes, yeah. Un I always have problems with that word favorite because I oh, yeah. don't know what it means. But uh, it this, means is, this is this is the. <laughs> Well, this is why I'm not on the top 10 show. <laughs> you will be. I'm you sure will be. Point. Trust me, you at will some be. Point. The, the, but yeah, this is the number one film for me. And I imagine it's your... It's, it is it is the probably, I agree, the greatest film ever made. Thank you. So that's, yeah. the, that's the approach we're going to have to it. But conversations about it throughout the commentary as well about why we love the film. And maybe yeah. those of you who have seen it only once or maybe are seeing it for the first time as you watch the commentary with us... We'll understand why we love the film. And maybe you, you don't. Think maybe someone you is going to do the commentary yeah. as the first time they're ever seeing this movie? Some people listen to our episodes and then go see the film for the first well, that, time. That, that, What's that the difference? I, that, I don't know. To be, to be having Citizen Kane, the greatest, your first time yeah. seeing it, yeah. hearing our voices. Look, well, we have beautiful voices. 
<laughs> if, if you do say so yourself. Uh, but I, I think uh, I think it's uh, some people will do that because people have said numerous times on, uh, sure. in comments that we kind of teach them a little bit about film. And so as we watch it, it's a way for maybe some people to go because we're different, man. The new generation now, the millennials, they don't care. They just they, they don't care about spoilers or anything unless it's Star Wars or some shit. But something like an old movie like this, they'll watch it with us, right. kind of enjoy it, and then go back and watch it themselves and compare our notes with their own mental uh, right. uh, experience with the film. I had a question for you before we start. Sure, sure, sure. When is the last time you sat down and watched this movie? Uh, maybe three, four months ago on TCM. Mm. Just it was flipping channels, and I caught it right as news on the march. I was like, "Well, that's my night." Yeah, okay. that's yeah my you're night. in. Yep. Yeah, it's funny. I, I the because I teach it in class. Okay. So I have over the last year, probably twice, I go through over two classes the mm-hmm. whole film. Yes. Like stop and start, stop and start. So it takes about five hours um, to go yep. through it. So I've done that, but I don't think I've just sat down to watch it in a couple of years. Couple of years? Yeah. Wow. I I can't go past months without watching at least once uh and even in the theater i you know they show the um they show it at the egyptian or at the right. arrow i love to go see it in the theater and, oh it's amazing and in fact i went with a friend one time and when we came out she said to me she's like i think i understand you even better now <laughs> having seen the film and yeah. i'm like yeah because the film really does speak to me in so many ways it is uh, and it, so it's, it is a lot it is it is one that you could never stop analyzing it and i think without further ado should we should we Start our commentary. Yeah, here. I hope you enjoyed our episode about the film last yeah. week. So maybe, maybe, which by the way, just so you know, we haven't recorded that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're going to release it. Don't don't give him a peek behind the curtain, man. <laughs> well, I did just say I hadn't seen the movie in oh, a couple of fair, years, fair. so it made That's sense true. that we haven't actually recorded that. All yet. right, but this is so. This is your first time seeing it in two years. Probably. I mean, to, I mean, I've taught it in class. Right, I've right, right. Watched, it, but not just sitting and watching it. Okay. Yeah, I like this. Yeah. Um. So uh, here's what we're going to do. So hopefully you have your your Blu-ray, your iTunes download, your Amazon yes, download, whatever your, it is. your VHS tape, LaserDisc, loaded up yes. on the opening frame, paused, and that's what we have right here. And John's going to do a countdown okay. and, and hit play. And if you hit play when he does, we are in sync. Okay. Go ahead. Take Ready? it away. Three, two, one. All right. Here we go. This is it, friends. You should be seeing the RKO. Yeah. In beautiful four by three aspect ratio. Yeah. Well, you know, some things don't convert to 16 by nine. And shouldn't be. Yeah, well, yeah. 1941. I don't think they were thinking yeah. about that, to be honest with you. Yeah. A Mercury Would, production. Was it set? Do you think it was shown in four by three? Of course. No, all okay. movies were. Okay. No, they, they, they didn't introduce widescreen until TV, until yeah. it's late 40s, early 50s. And then they started to introduce yeah. widescreen. Look at, look at this, how it just bursts onto yeah. the screen. Immediately grabs your attention. Yeah. Very bright black and white. And this is the 4K... Or the the super adjusted one that they did. They yeah. It up. And we start with beautiful Bernard Herman music. And immediately with no trespassing, looking through the fence, it is forbidding. Mm-hmm. And it's telling you, don't come in. Yeah. This is forbidden. You don't get to know what happens here. But because we're human beings, our curiosity is peaked and we have to know. So it's a brilliant move by Wells. Right. Right at the beginning, he says, no. Yeah. And, and then we force our way through this fence. Like, you don't tell me, no. I want to know. I want to know what it is. All right. Well, and this is, you know, a classic structure. Citizen Kane is a mystery. Yes. That is what it is. From the beginning to end, yep. this is a mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's something I want to talk about, a very technical okay. thing, but it's called eye trace. Okay. And what eye trace is, is that your eye immediately goes to one spot on the frame. And in this case, it's that light in the window. Mm-hmm. And that oh, yeah. light in the window from cut to cut to cut through all these dissolves will remain in exactly the same place. Oh, wow. So you're pulling the eye oh, through how each shot. Look at that. Even in this one where it's a reflection, yeah. where st- our eye is still drawn to that place. As we move in, and of course, what is the most important place in this movie? 
movie. Yeah. It's so right at the beginning, Orson is doing something so technically advanced in his first film. Have you ever seen that before? No, I've never looked at it that way. Yep. How incredible. Yep. To me, I'm more caught up in the decay because of that's course. what he's showing you that this is where this this is what happened to the man internally, mm-hmm. as well as like the, the, they say a man's house or a person's house represents who they are internally. Well, and it's, that's amazing. The light is there the whole time. And it's this mix of that's fascinating, isn't that? It's this mix of oh. splendor yeah. and and as you say, decay. Yeah. And things are fr- and now we've finally moved up to the window. Yeah. And that's a build to a light going out. Mm-hmm. And I get chills. I just got chills when it happened. Yeah. Well, because he's dead. Yeah. His light well, is about to go out. It's about to. Well, that's always weird that it goes out and then it comes back. Yeah. I always well, find that a little strange. Well, because that's, that's, that would make sense for Charles Foster Kane. I guess. And now one of the most amazing shots in the history of film. <sighs> oh, man. And there it is, Rosebud. It still gets me, Steve. And this next shot... This is this is called abstract space. We don't know, but like, what are we looking at? Right. How? What are? Where is the relationship between things? We don't understand it. Right. And of course, looking through that snow globe, everything is set up for the end of the film. Mm-hmm. Everything is set up right mm-hmm. here in the very, very beginning. By the way, uh, Shannon McClung gave me this amazing T-shirt for Christmas. That is a Citizen Kane shirt. That is the snow globe. Mm. Incredible. Maybe wow. the greatest present I've ever gotten in my entire life. In, in film, there's also hard cuts and soft cuts. Mm-hmm. This is a hard cut. Here it comes. Boom. Right. And immediately, immediately it rips you out of this very like sad death. You know, yeah. Because you know, we don't know who this person is. We know it's him, possibly, because when you're watching for the first time, you don't know who it is. You think it's him, then this thing, and then we write into this incredible, incredibly brilliant way of giving you exposition about this man's life. Right. Right. Well, and it's Citizen Kane does a thing which I don't think had ever been done in film before, in my knowledge, mm-hmm. which is stylistically it shifts from section to section. Mm-hmm. So the opening section is this somber, slow, forbidding, surreal thing, and then we go into this newsreel, mm-hmm. you know, and it is. And again, if you would watch films at the time, this was totally normal. Yeah. This is exactly how newsreels felt. Uh-huh. And here we see the building of Xanadu, which of course is modeled after San Simeon and William Randolph Hearst, mm-hmm. uh, which I was just at about four or five months ago. I've got to make a pilgrimage. One it is weird. It is a weird, weird place. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Yeah. Um, but also what's great about this is it puts you, it immediately gives you what you need to know about this guy. And it immediately sets the precedent that you are never going to hear from him directly, him telling right. a story. The story is, this entire man's story, his entire life is told by someone else's memories, uh, interpretation, or what we see in the, in the newsreel, a script that's written out for this guy to read as a voiceover right. of a news piece. Well, it's all from the outside. Yeah. You know, it starts with no trespassing. It's the Rashomon thing. Which, well, well, and it's also, I think, and this is something you see in Orson Welles throughout his entire career, including mm-hmm. we talked about in Touch of Evil. Yeah. You never get to know what a person really is. Right. You know? Well, what Marlene is, Dietrich says that in Touch of Evil. What does it matter what you say about people? You know? Right. Like, this is, and that's what this movie is. Yeah. Um, it's, we're going to look at this guy and look at this guy and look at this guy. In the end, we're never going to understand him. Mm-hmm. As much as you try. No, or no. I don't understand him. No. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can understand a piece of him. Yeah. But he goes through so many, he, you know, even at the end, you're like, does that really explain him? And even the reporters say that, right? Yeah. Does that really explain this guy? Yeah. You know? yeah. And here we see our first sort of real good image of Orson in the old age makeup. And and, and what I love is one of the things he does throughout this uh, newsreel is just his contradictions, mm-hmm. explaining how different people viewed this hugely powerful figure. Uh-huh. And how 
big he was because the newspapers are in multiple languages. Oh, yeah. How Charles Foster Kane was an international person. And so right. he was known the world over for the things that he did. Yeah, I love this shot, by the way. So now we're looking at the decayed newspaper, and I love the guys with the roller skates in yeah, front of it. It's, so it's just a great set design, great. Yeah. Right. Obviously not not random in a way that's like, who cares? But it's it's so brilliantly random in that way that he puts these people in roller skates and has them outside the decayed place. Yeah. Well, everything, you know, it's funny. I, I say this in my film classes all the time. Mm. Everything in a movie is a choice. Yes. Is you have an opportunity to show films. something. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, it, it's always a choice. Well, you might That's not true. have made one. You have a, Every time you have an opportunity to go, well, what's this guy look like? Let's put him in roller skates. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And now you've made an interesting choice. Yeah. And I, I want to go real quick to the, uh, uh, to the, the goal, the age makeup is still incredible now. Absolutely. Even now, in 2017, 2018 for this. Well, that and paired with Orson Welles' performance. At which 24 is, years old. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. I couldn't tie my shoes at 24 years old. That must have been hard for you to get around. <laughs> I had slippers for a long time. <laughs> Loafers. <laughs> Did you have the pennies in them? Yes, absolutely. Okay. And this is our first shot of... Uh, of um, a Thatcher. Thatcher, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Thatcher, you know, this is... Uh, uh, is that George Clouris? No, no, no. George Clouris is the other guy. Uh, it's who's Thatcher? Oh, I, I can't remember right now, but we can look it up. One of the, he's one of the Mercury Theater yes. guys who's been around and did all the radio stuff, and but, he, and his performance is great. Too. He doesn't get enough credit for the old performance he does as well. It's yeah. fantastic. Him and Bernstein, Everett Slo- Sloan are amazing. Absolutely, yeah. And um, I love the way he speaks so slowly and how talk. I love this. It's so well, and they're doing they're doing a thing that that we see a lot now, but wasn't done then, which is Mm -hmm. how do you act as if you're in a documentary? Yes. And that is different from acting in a movie. He's talking in a very, very natural way, Mm -hmm. not a natural acting way, but in a, I'm just reading these prepared remarks. Yes. And and his relationship with Kane is fascinating. As a character. Yes. Yes. Because on the one hand, it is George Cloris. I'm sorry. It is George Cloris. That's true. Yes. Um, On the one hand, he is, uh, a horrible father figure guy. Absolutely. But on the other hand, he does care about him on yes. some level. Well, as much as he can, because he's, yeah. here's the thing about Kane. What we find out is he's actually a very sensitive person in oh, yeah. the midst, of all these money hungry, greedy people in business. He is actually a very sensitive person. So he, he wanted to be loved throughout the whole movie, but he is constantly surrounded by people who have no ability to show him the love that he wants. Right? right, even Bernstein to a degree is basically a sycophant, a glorified sycophant of Wells. Right. It's a friendship, but he's a sycophant. Oh, Joseph Cotton is the only one that really is calls him out on his shit and shows right. him real love, but he can't accept it because he doesn't understand how to grapple with it anymore. Well, this is, I mean, and, and as we go right back to his childhood, mm-hmm. you know how you interpret love based on his mother, his father, yes. and then Thatcher, mm-hmm. you know, and the world that he was raised in, you know, it's pretty brutal. Yeah, and of course now we see, by the way, these these different sides of Kane and the shot of him and Hitler, and I love Wells's performance there. So he looks a little uncomfortable. Yeah, he does, and that's a great Hitler, a great looking Hitler, by the way. He's a great looking yeah. Hitler. And this, again, jumping all over the place in time in the shot at the White House. Yeah. And it's even more resonant now for us in 2018, Steve, because that's how we know history growing up, even as kids and even kids nowadays. They see these newsreel footages. You see them on the History Channel. You see them on National Geographic Channel. All these channels, they show this old newsreel footage and the speed at which they're moving. All of that is... And the grain and the scratches and the print. And even not, you don't want to have your shot perfectly framed. Right. And we're going to see perfectly framed, as perfect a frame as you Mm -hmm. could ever have in this film. And so, you know, again, working with Greg Tolan and getting these sort of imperfect Mm -hmm. shots. 
just real skill. And Tolan said, you know, he wanted to work with him. He sat and waited to have a meeting with Wells outside of Wells's office yeah. and said, because I want to work with, he's going to show me something I've never seen before. Right. He wanted to work with someone who didn't know how a movie was supposed yeah. to be made. To see how it could be done well, in new ways. And that's what Orson said. He has said all the time. Every time you step on the set, it should be as if it's the first time mm-hmm. that you're figuring everything out mm-hmm. anew. How interesting is this now in 2018 with Trump as president? Here's a businessman in Charles Foster King who wanted to be president back in 1918. Not a lot of businessmen were necessarily wanting to become president necessarily. There's more, there, more, there were a lot more politicians than there were business. Had they been successful in business? Yes, in certain things. But this is something else. Well, certainly William Randolph Trump-ish. first wanted to be president. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. He was a congressman, and then he, but he ran for mayor. He, New York, he ran for guy. He ran for all this stuff. a career stuff. politician in that way. Well, he wanted to be, but right. he kept losing. Right. You know? Um, and, and also with, you know, we have a scandal. That's another thing looking at it in 2018 that's... Yeah. Uh, which wouldn't be a scandal now. It was a scandal in the 80s and yeah. 90s, but now you can do anything. <laughs> Apparently. Well. <laughs> well. <laughs> um, here we have the depression. Yeah. And again, this is something that happened to Hearst. So, so there, yeah. there are a lot of things in Citizen Kane that are connected to William Randolph Hearst and a lot of things that are not, mm-hmm. that are really connected to Orson Welles. And for you millennials listening to us, uh, Hardwick married William Randolph Hearst's granddaughter or great-granddaughter. So there's a connection there that Chris Hardwick from The Nerdist is connected to Hearst in a certain so, way. So I mean, growing up in San Francisco, where every there's Hearst Street, there's mm-hmm. Hearst Buildings, there's, you know, Hearst is a big deal yeah. in the San Francisco still, area. Yeah. Still, yeah. Um, again, Orson Welles is just 24-year-old, unbelievable performance. This 50-year-old interpretation of him is amazing. Well, and that's the thing he does. So the only, the, the other performance that I can think of that has such a subtle transformation mm-hmm. is uh, Brian Cranston in Breaking Bad, is that it's just like watching step-by-step oh. step how a person changes. And that's over mm-hmm. a sh- much shorter mm-hmm. space of time. But the 30-year-old version, the 40-year-old version, the 50-year-old yeah. version, they're just different people. The only thing that comes close, in my opinion, because I haven't seen Breaking Bad, is Excalibur. Oh, how yeah. he goes from the Nigel page Terry. King Arthur, Nigel Terry to yeah. the old King Arthur at the end with, uh, uh, I think uh, it's, I think that's great, but I can't, there's no, no, right, right. Because right. the movie's no, comparison. it's the closest thing to yeah. me. Yeah. I love Excalibur, but, but come on. <laughs> I love the look of the really old yeah. Orson in the, with that skull cap and this shot, like, oh. this is so brilliant because this is clearly stolen footage, mm-hmm. like looking out from a distance, you're spy footage, right? You know, once again, we are caught up in the fact that we think we're watching a newsreel. This is not a movie in our minds. It's a newsreel. Right. Yet it is a movie, and that's what's so brilliant. Just within this section, Steve, he's proven to be a master filmmaker, having never shot a film in his entire life. Well, he shot one short when he was like, yeah, but not sure. for real. And then this, and now we're out of that world yeah. and into a complete, and again, we've never seen this in film before, this this lit uh, backlit thing with the streams of light and the smoke in the air and never seeing these characters faces. And this is, by the way, this is one where you learn if your TV is well adjusted because yeah. you got to get this one right. <laughs> Cause you want to just almost see these people's faces, right, but because, not quite. Because a lot of the actors that are going to be in the movie are in this playing reporters in yep. the scene. Joseph Cotton's in the scene. Yep. Uh, uh, the guy who plays the old uh, uh, newspaper uh, editor is in yep. this scene. Yep. I think Alan Ladd is in this. Scene. Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and what there's we there's Joseph Cotton on the left. Yeah, and what we what we hear is this excitement over like we need to produce a different story and right. this conversation about Rosebud. Right. Yeah. 
And, and this is great because once again, these are, and these are news people, right? They're all talking about how they want to break them down, how they want to interpret them. And we see that even nowadays. What's your pitch for this article? What's your pitch? What's your right. approach to this man that's going to get us the most clicks, the most views, the most uh, uh, subscribers, going to buy the most, sell the most papers? What is your approach? It never ends. It yeah. never ends. Yeah. And this is, by the way, shot in the RKO screening room. Uh, yeah. Very early on, I think. Um, it and looks, one, almost looks like Joe DiMaggio, that actor. He does. He does. Um, and... and and we haven't we haven't had a main character yet. We haven't had a conflict. We don't know what's and yet we're just been loaded with all this information about this mysterious person. Right. And I think this shot, Steve, is fantastic because this uh, brings to mind the Julius Caesar thing. If you've seen clips, that's pictures right. of it with the lights coming up and, you know, standing in front of the lights. So you seem almost larger, almost more important. And when you're speaking. Well, and this is why the people that knock Orson Welles, it. it Look, film is a collaborative art. So it's not that Greg Tolan and Frank Mankiewicz and Robert Wise and all these brilliant people that worked on the film weren't brilliant. But it's also Orson Welles. You know, you look at Julius Caesar, you look at Voodoo Macbeth, and like you can see what's there. It's the captain of the ship. All right. We're going to meet Susan Alexander. Right. This shot is remarkable. Coming For you new film kids, look at this shot. Think that it's 1941. Look what he's able, him and Greg Tolan are able to do with their camera. Through the side. Yeah. And almost into the skylight. And we're off on our quest to go to go find out the answer to Rosebud. And I love that we start with a rejection. Yeah. We start with this person's not going to talk to you. Mm-hmm. And we get this per- version of Susan Alexander, which is a boozy, uh, just kind of broken tr- down. Broken down. Right. Right. And she has this guy who's, who's like essentially her, her caretaker for this. And we know that this is a woman who maybe doesn't perform every, she probably cancels shows all the time because of her drinking, but because she still has a name. And yeah. in, in a small part, a lot of performers end up in Vegas who are not as extremely famous like Celine Dion. This is what they're doing. They're training right. on their name for as much as they can. Uh, for as long as they can. Honestly, this is the mo- the life of most artists, yeah. even ones who peak. The it's peak true. isn't going to last very long. It's very true. I mean, I remember working in a copy store with the assistant manager who had had a number one hit. You know, <laughs> like and he, you know, he was on, he was the drummer for the Bo Brummels. Oh yeah, the Bo Brummels. Yeah, and he was glad all over. Is that the Bo Brummels? No, uh, laugh. I La- think oh, was, that's right. Yeah. Anyway, but we digress. Yeah. <laughs> one of the things about our reporter is uh, we're we're not going to see his face. No. I mean, we will a little bit, but not a lot. He's mostly shot from behind. And this is the actor who ends up in St. Elsewhere, who is the head of the hospital in oh, St. Elsewhere. Oh, wow. When I went to see Citizen Kane a couple of years ago at the TCM Film Festival, he introduced the film oh, and wow. talked about working with Orson and all these actors and the Mercury productions that he was on. Because he's very young when he's doing this movie. Right. Like he's in his early 20s. I love this shot. And I, lo- I love the... You know, the waiter. And again, we're going to see something we see all the time in Citizen Kane, which is foreground, midground, background, yeah. all in focus. And here we have this beautiful silhouette. And I love when he closes the door mm-hmm. for privacy. Mm-hmm. It's just little details like that. And if you're looking at this, there is no wall on the other side of that phone booth. Like yeah. on that phone booth to ours, our immediate uh, side, there is no wall there, right? So we're getting, it's almost staged in a stage. It's almost like a st- set up it like is. a stage. It yeah. is, yeah. It is set up for this shot. And, th- and this is something, there's things later on with like the phone in the foreground during the attempted suicide oh, yeah. where it's like a giant phone, yes. you know, and that's how they made this shot True. work. Um, but uh, I like this actor too. He populates this with great character, great smaller act, smaller parts with these great actors who are very believable in those moments. There's yeah. not a wasted moment. Agreed. Agreed. And I tell you, mister, uh, he was mentioning this the other day. He never heard of no rosebud. I love that. Yeah. All right. 
And then you see her just lost in her own missing him. Mm -hmm. And we'll find out later all the terrible things he did in their relationship. And yet she still misses him. She's still haunted by the memory of him. Well, how often do you meet your Charles Foster Kane? I mean, I think every single character is haunted by him. Yeah, it's true. You know, he is the most important person that everybody here has met, including we're heading off. And I love the way this is set up (laughs) to the Thatcher Memorial and the music. Bernard Herrmann, you can't talk enough about how great Mm -hmm. he is. And the music is dark and uh, forbidding and funny. Yes. It's we're not supposed to take this guy too seriously. And the, the casting of this actress and even the fact that she has a male haircut and she's wearing a tie Mm -hmm. it has a deep voice it's all off-putting like what is this place we're walking into right right and one of the things to point out about this is and this is why you need to watch this without our commentary track is the is that Orson came out of radio mm-hmm. and the sound design in the scene comes from a lot of the things he learned in radio in oh, terms wow. of the, the sound of the footsteps, the sound of the space, you get this big echoing hall. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're going to make this unbelievable transition musically. And in terms of sound, as we go into the first flashback. Yeah. 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 And William Aland, William Aland is the actor, by yeah. the way, who's playing this reporter who's pursuing everything. And I love that it's so grandiose because that's perfect of Thatcher to because he always over he had to prove how important he was. He always right. thought bigger of himself than he actually was, and so everything is larger and more like and wh- just so. Why would you have grandiose this memorial to yourself <laughs> with this diary that nobody's allowed to read? Right, right, you know, like what is that? That is such a strange, strange person. Right. Um. And 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 again, now we're into a different style of filmmaking. We're going to read through this diary, oh, and here we see our first version of young Orson Welles. Mm-hmm. Who I think's happy here. Yeah. I think this is Just a happy kid. Just for a kid. second. Yeah. Then he throws the snowball and it's a, a very harsh cut. Dun, you know? And now we have, again, this remarkable use of deep space, wide angle lens with everything staying in focus. And to do this, so the basic rules are the longer your lens, like a telephoto lens, you have a shallow depth of field, which means you have very little in focus. The wider the lens, the more is in focus. Yeah. And the more, in order to have a really, really deep focus shot like this, you have to have a ton of light so the aperture could be stopped way down. Right. And so they have, like everyone on the crew is wearing sunglasses right now. They have so much light beaming on wow. the set. It is so bright in order to maintain this level of focus all the way to the kid framed in the background. That's amazing. Yeah. I always love, and, and you know, you don't catch it the first time the kid playing in the background most of yeah. the times because you're focused on what Thatcher is, a younger version of Thatcher having this conversation, you know, and this is Agnes Moorhead yes. who's playing his mom. And by the way, for those of you who don't know Agnes Moorhead, maybe you've seen Bewitched and she's, right. she's the crazy grandmom uh, in Bewitched. So like to see all the different parts that she's played and, and progression and years of career. So many of these actors worked for years longer oh, yeah. than Orson and were more successful, you could yeah. argue, in terms of uh, consistent paychecks than Orson. Her performance is so haunting. Yeah. So t- I need to ask, tell me what you think of mom and dad. I think dad's a drunk. I think he's absolutely a physically abusive person. I think what she did, she thought she was doing for the best of her child. But in the long run, it might have been better if he had stayed with her. Well, here's the thing. I agree that dad is a drunk. Yeah. I think he probably has been physically abusive. Dad's more fun. The, yeah. Charlie likes dad. Sure. Watch how he runs to his dad versus how he runs to mom. Well, that's how it is. I mean, there's like, and, and this is the thing about their relationship is I think she's cold and controlling. Really? Yeah. I do not feel that way. I think what she's doing, she's doing, she's stealing herself because she's selling her son and she's just has to steal herself or she'd be a blubbering mess. And so to me in this scene, I think she has this like strength of will 
because she knows what she's doing is best. And if she allows even a window of emotion, she will break I, down. I think that's true too. Mm-hmm. I think that's true too. I think that, the, and I think we don't get to know. And the other thing that's interesting is the moment where dad is like, we can't do this. We can't sell the right, kid off. Right. And then they say, well, you're going to get $50,000 a year. And he goes, okay, well, whatever's bad. Well, that's why he's a jerk. You know, yeah. <laughs> but, but there's this moment where he, you watch Charlie's reaction to dad's trying to be kind of fun and playful. Yeah. And Charlie like, hey, dad. And he wants to kind of hug. Oh, nope. Don't hug him. Right. And, and he comes over and goes, him. and he yeah. goes, yes, mother. Mm-hmm. And you see him having to be proper with mom. Mm-hmm. And and it's interesting because, of course, Orson Welles had a father who's a drunk right. who uh, died of alcoholism and a mother who died when he was nine years old. Right. And his unresolved, as opposed to uh, Hearst, who both of his parents lived till old age. Mm-hmm. You know, this is really Wells. Well, this is why when we talked about it, um, when we we're talking about Wells, the film is not about Hearst, even though they say it's about Hearst. There's obviously there's there's it's influenced in by Hearst, Hearst in sure, but this is really Wells' story about himself, and it ends up becoming sadly prophetic by the end uh, in his life and in this movie. But yeah. it's a great choice for the actor. The actor looks like if you've seen if you've seen pictures of Orson when he's a child, that kid looks exactly oh, yeah. like him. Um, and look, she's younger than he is, than the dad is. So at that time, that's how it was, right? Women were getting married at younger ages because they were being married off and they weren't really allowed to divorce, right? So you get this idea that she's stuck in this right. marriage with this guy and this t- this old abusive drunk or whatever this guy is. Look, he swings at Orson yep. or swings at Kane there. And, and, and I love the way Thatcher is dressed. He's almost like a Dickensian character from totally. Christmas Carol, right? Almost, well, almost it's that Scrooge. era. I mean, this is yeah. 1880, 1890. Yeah. So, so, and, and there's so much that just happened in the scene. You see Thatcher's fake niceness. You see mom protecting him. And now we have our sled. Mm, snow covered. Train whistle. And then what do we cut to? Where do we go to right after this sled? We cut to a sled. Yeah. Like that's. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's just the set design, the 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 looking up at this forbidding mm-hmm. Thatcher, and we go Dom- Merry Aaron Christmas Thatcher. right into Happy New Year. Yeah. Like this is that's one of the most remarkable time transitions in the history of film. And you will see this throughout the whole movie. Yeah. These time transitions that are revolutionary. Yeah. in how he does them. And, and Happy New Year. And we see what is the world that that uh, Kane grows up in. It's cold. Mm-hmm. It's formal. It's professional. Yep. There's no love. Yeah. But I think he was screwed either way. This is a great point you bring up. I think the dad would have messed him up emotionally and and psychologically for years either way. So either way he went, I think Kane was screwed. Either way. Well, and I, and, and like I said, I'm not convinced about mom. I don't think mom's a sweetheart. <laughs> okay. You know? That's fair. Yeah. Um, because it's his mother, because I think it's his mother's love he wanted throughout the film. Absolutely. It's not you his know? dad's. Yeah. No, absolutely. It's his mom's love. Yeah. Well, and this is, you know, you look at, uh, you know, relationships that are codependent, alcoholic. Mm-hmm. It's, that's a partnership. Like she made choices yeah. that were, that ended up with him living his whole life without love, yeah. you know? And here we have this sequence, which exposes what Charles Foster Kane is and will be throughout his entire life. Or at least until he gets older, right. is this desire to be to to thumb his nose yes. at his upbringing, thumb his nose at the rich, thumb his nose at these people who he grew to hate yeah. because they domineered his life and raised him this way. Yeah. And so this is his way of getting back at them. And it's also in terms of montage filmmaking, this is just every shot is perfectly framed. And there he is. Ugh. One of the great reveals, because we've seen this old guy. Yep. We've never seen that guy. And he's a good-looking son of a bitch, man. I, 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 at this age, he's a good-looking son of yeah, a bitch. Well, he, uh, the smirk, the smile, the the whole the pro- the voice, the cheeks, everything, the confidence, the yes. charisma. Yeah. Like you can see, this is why you can see that the this is 
why the world was drawn to Orson Welles. Mm -hmm. You can see this like, oh my God, I'd follow this guy anywhere. He's dashing. Yeah. The shirt's open. He's he's astride his world. Yeah. Even, everyone is standing, talking to him. He's sitting comfortably, the pipe in his mouth, all of it. It's just brilliant, the strength. Well, and this is one of the things we'll see throughout Citizen Kane and throughout a lot of Orson Welles' film is the perfectly framed shot. Mm -hmm. with And he stages humans moving around and human faces. Mm -hmm. You know, a little camera move to a new shot. It's it's always just perfectly done. Right. And And the thing about this guy... I would fall. I'd vote for this guy. Sure. This young Charles Foster Kane, because you believe him. Yeah. And yet, even within this whole thing, he's corrupting himself. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. This we don't is, see it right uh, now. You, you do a little bit. He, really? You see corruption here? Um, Is this, uh, you provide the poems, I'll provide well, that's the fair. war? That's fair. He is. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. He's almost like a, like a National Enquirer or a Harvey Levin TMZ guy fabricating news right. or creating news so that he can sell newspapers and become right. successful. But here is this defiance yeah. that we'll, we will see numerous times towards Thatcher throughout the whole film until, and this is the irony and the tragedy, he becomes Thatcher himself by the end, in my opinion, with how he deals with Susan, with how he deals with... Worse. With, well, sure, worse, because he knows better. Yeah. Whereas Thatcher is a slave to what he is, Wells or Kane knows better and still acts and is more of a genius and more powerful and more brilliant and more insecure and more insecure. Yeah. Yeah. But, but this idea of I'm going to be, they need a wealthy person who can fight, who understands the other side to fight for it. We're like, yes. Yeah. You know, that's, that is, that's Robin Hood, you know? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> There's also self-importance in that that's dangerous too. Exactly. And and uh, and Kennedy, like Jack Kennedy, was very uh, much the same thing, right? He was a rich guy who thought he could fight, you know, who wanted to fight for the lesser. Yeah. But he had his own flaws as well as a as a person in his character. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the smirk. The smirk. The from smirk Ralph. is everything, yeah. right? Yeah. And now well, again, we're going to jump way ahead. Sixty years. And yeah. here, here again, we have these wide-angle lens where you have the size of Bernstein's head in the foreground. Yeah. And we're going to get to really small cane in the background by the end of this shot, revealing Thatcher. I mean, this is just beautifully, beautifully done. Well, and it's a great cut from these vibrant young yep. men going at each other to these old, decrepit, having done this for a long time, uh, men, right? The, 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 the battle is out of them. They're just acquiescing to 1929 and the depression. And, you know, and here's that foreground, midground, it's a background with Orson still in focus way back there. And we see that incredible performance of him, the stiffness, mm -hmm. the, the solidity, it the feels eyes. Yeah. 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 And the columns behind him, almost Roman-like, these columns behind him that convey strength and power. Yeah. Once again, whatever position he is in, they are in a submissive position, whether they're standing or sitting, right? And the, previously, they're all standing around his desk, and he's sitting there liking, lighting a cigar like, or a pipe like it's no big deal. Here, they're all sitting, and they're hunched over, but he is astride them again. He is above them. And yet, this is one of his low points. Yes. This is where every, it's a, he's lost everything. He's not lost everything. He's going to get an allowance. He's just signed up and we get one of these moments, which is, you know, I always choked on the silver spoon. And then he says, you know, if I hadn't been born very rich, I think I could have become a really great man. And he says, don't you think you did all right? Oh, don't you think you, don't you think you are or something like that? I think I did all right under the circumstances. Oh, yeah. But it's the look he gives him, yeah. the withering look he gives him before he says that line that's so powerful here. Well, and, and it's what would you have liked to become? Mm -hmm. Everything you hate. Everything you hate. 
there's so much going on in this. Yeah, and, and and I think it is really interesting that maybe he could maybe if he had been brought up differently, he could have been the great man he wanted sure. to be. Maybe. Maybe. Um Yeah, here it is. Yeah. But he does yeah. sneak looks at Thatcher before yeah. he says this. But he's talking to Bernstein. Well, he's always playing to Bernstein. Of course. Bernstein's his audience. That's his audience, right. It's his audience. It's a fan. It's what people accused Sinatra of when he married Mia Farrow. Uh, One of, I think it was Dean or Sam, he married his audience. Yeah. And that's, when you're old, you play to your audience, man. You need that attention when you're used to getting it. So we have that moment there where he says, and then we go back to land, of course, in the yeah. library reading. And I love, I love how quickly we get out of this. Yeah. You know, and I love the security guards. Did I find what you're looking for? And like, I just and love. I really wonder how many women were ever in a suit and tie at this time. 1941. I think this is a complete choice for this. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have a great Edward Herm or, uh, Edward, no, uh, Bernard Herman. Bernard Herman. Edward <laughs> Herman is a totally different <laughs> yes, person. He's an ex- sting, like a comic sting at the end of this music. Yes. Yeah. Because they're comical people. Yeah. Self-important, grandiose. Look at that huge yep. portrait of himself. Ridiculous. Compared to the small portrait that Kane, that uh, uh, Bernstein has. Well, and he has a picture of Kane. Yes. Of he doesn't have a picture of himself. Of course not. Because he loves Kane so much. Yeah. By the and, way, this is my favorite, one of my favorite scenes, top three favorite scenes in the movie. It's a, yeah. Because of the conversation they have about I love, yeah. you know, being old. And especially as I get older, I understand Bernstein more and more as I get older. Well, I knew when I first saw this movie mm-hmm. at 17 or 18... That what Everett Sloan says about the, you'd be surprised the things you remember that that was the truth. Yeah, I, even though these are all young men, or yeah, the young sure. guy. I mean, Bankowitz is a little bit older. He's in not that much. Fifties, forties, fifties. I think when right. he wrote this, but he's not in the film. He's just writing yeah. it. But yeah, people are portraying are amazing. Yeah, yeah. And look at the beautiful reflection in the desk, and the and you see the rain in the reflection yeah. of the desk. Like little details of this. It's very clean, as Bernstein would have it. Very organized, very clean. And also what's great about Bernstein is the way he speaks with affection for everyone. Mm-hmm. And and even Thatcher, there's a little bit of anger, but he doesn't hate Thatcher. But he, he talks, he calls Susan Alexander Susie. Yeah. There's a, he has a care, you know? And, well, and he knows who Kane was. Right. But he still loves him. He doesn't, he, it's not, he's not like a sycophant in the sense that he ignores all of the bad no, things. No, 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 no. He even sees them. Yeah. He's a fan. He's legitimately yeah. a fan and he understands the man and he knows his flaws, but doesn't hate him for his flaws right. because in a way he becomes grander by being part of his world. Well, what's interesting too, is this because we're all in these flashbacks mm-hmm. and this flashback sequence with uh, Bernstein is the most joyful of the film. Yeah. It's, it's really fun because that's how he would seize him. Yeah. Right. Well, and it's also the first part of his life. We haven't gotten into the stuff where it gets really pretty brutal. But even though he's old, I love the way he moves, uh, Bernstein does. He's still Bernstein in his movements. Yeah. Oh, and I love, this is one of my favorite lines. It's no secret to be rich if all you want to be is, or it's no secret to make, make a lot, a lot of, money of money if all, if all you, you want to do is to make a lot of money. I, yeah. that, that's been one of the things in my life. I mean, yeah. That is, a, that is an, and I think it is unbelievably true. Yeah. We see this with the reality TV stars make all that money. Who cares? They have little value. Well, and as we talked about lots of times, money doesn't buy happiness. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. I'll try it out one time. Yeah. There's also that great story. <laughs> There's also the great story of the Staten Island Ferry. Right. And seeing oh. the girl and she wore a white dress and I only saw her for one second. But there hasn't a day hasn't gone by that I haven't thought about that. When I was younger, I used to have those moments, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I still have them from still, when I was younger. They're right, right. You know what I mean? I still remember moments like that. Yeah. Um, I hear the joy in the music. It's so great. 
It's whimsical. Yeah. It's almost circus-like, you know? And this is, you know, true from Hearst's life. He opened up, he he took this over the San Francisco Examiner when he was a very young man, Mm -hmm. asked for it from his parents and just pretty much totally transformed the paper. Right. Um, And and this is, once again, here's someone who is like... uh, Trying to undercut Kane a little bit with his mm-hmm. comment. He's just a furniture mover. Right. And a guy says, you paid for uh, opinions or for hauling. So we see that it lays the groundwork that ever will, co- or that Bernstein will I love Joseph Cotton switching to the other side of the pole because mm-hmm. it's bad luck. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the other inventions in this film was roofs in sets, ceilings. Oh. Because normally you lit from above. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of these ceilings are muslin. They're actually fabric. So you could get some light through them. And they had to find ways to light from the sides because... Uh, because Orson won all these low angle shots. Mm-hmm. So therefore you had to have ceilings. And this is Erskine Sanford, who I absolutely love as the editor of the paper. He's so lost. And the and the and this is where you see these guys are great comedy. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a great comedy duo. Yes. And the way they're messing with him and the repetitions and the the mm-hmm. the uh the confusion and the way the language goes this is really funny, a funny bit. Yeah. But it also shows once again um transition. Right, yeah. because he is an old school right. newspaper man, and uh, this is a new way, a new approach, and that's funny too. <laughs> yes, physical gags. Um, it, it's funny the 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 choice of Bernstein's Jewishness um, is is something that's it's not overplayed. It comes up a little bit. He comes from a clearly different culture from everybody else. Mm-hmm. He is. As you said, the most loyal person to Kane mm-hmm. is very interestingly done. Yeah. And, and it, you know, again, the comedy continues. Yeah. And later when the whole thing with Emily and, you know, Emily's or Mr. Bernstein is bound to paying a visit to the right. nursery every once in a while. Yeah. You see it there. This kind yeah. of underground, not over racism yeah. towards Jewish people. Yeah. 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 Bernstein is one of my favorite characters in the whole damn movie. Yeah. It's because of his consistency and his devotion that makes him so lovable. What's really funny, too, is that we really love watching Kane transform the paper. Mm-hmm. It's really joyful. He says, oh, the newspaper goes 24 hours. You know, you make the headline bigger. It makes the news bigger. All those him sending the what we're going to see right now where he's going to send the guy down to interview the say he comes to the central office and all this stuff. And all of these things are bad. Yeah. They're all terrible. Well, they lead to people losing their jobs and they lead to all to well, the and it's, corruption of the news. Industry. This is what, if you follow what William, this is all things Hearst did. Mm-hmm. Um, you follow Hearst. It's like, that's yellow journalism. Yep. And that leads us right down to the today and the way the news is today. Yep. This is the beginning. Gossip rags. Well, this is something uh, that was interesting to watch him eat because Orson Welles was known for eating four or five dinners at a sitting. He was that like voracious and hungry of a man that he would eat yeah. like multiple steak dinners before shows or before uh directing play like he just was known for this which is why he became so large as he yeah. got older because the appetite never left yeah well he's yeah. gluttonous and and yes and, true and he and he's a sensualist in every way i mean with women with experiences with you know that's just who he was look at him man that's a good looking man dude yeah and my best day i never looked that good I'm just trying to look as good as Eric Sanford. <laughs> just want someone to say something to make it to that reaction. <laughs> but you're right. This is the yellow journalism. He's yeah. encouraging this kind of uh, uh, unscrupulous yep. journalism. 
Well, and creating controversy and scandal to sell the paper. Yeah. As and this is, you know, you look at, you know, we see are your children Twitter. safe? Yeah. Check, you know, watch it eleven. That's right. what this is. Right, right. You know, we see it. and it makes us more afraid. It makes us yeah. We see it on Twitter now. People oh, yeah. post headlines about things and oh D- inside source at Disney says this or inside source at Marvel says yeah. this and it's to get reactions. So yeah. His declaration. Oh yeah. It's a it's a fascinating moment. Well, it's the hubris of youth, idealism, and ego. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, this is you know uh, very much so. Uh, Joseph Cotton's line of "That's the second sentence you started with I." <laughs> that is a profound statement about Charles Foster Kane, which will come to bear when he loses and they have that conversation in the in the office in the in the um, after he's lost the election. You want them to love you so much, you, you know, you, you'll be surprised what happens. When they think it's a right and not a privilege. I love declarations of principles, by the way, but they're hard to, but, but, you know, it's like, uh, Google's don't be, don't do evil mm-hmm. or don't be evil. Mm-hmm. And then Google gets put in all these positions. Well, what does that mean? Right. You know, and eventually they kind of drop it. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. because it's hard to maintain. It's subjective. Well, and it's okay. You want to be in China. So what do you do? And he's saying, I'm going to be this tireless fighter for, but are you, Mm -hmm. you know? Well, that's the thing. That's why I mean, it's the idealism of youth. You don't, you think at 20, 25, you know how the world would be better if you did this and if you did that. And, but you don't know the actual machinations of what you're wanting to do and the different levels of people and resistance that you're going to confront and the compromises you're going to have to make. That's why this idealism with politicians is un, is re, unrealistic. It's quicksand, you know? Well, and you don't see your own crap, you right. know? Like, right. Kane, Kane goes, oh, yeah, I really thinks he's really principled. Well, in the meantime, he's making up news stories mm-hmm. and doing all, you know, starting a war in Cuba. He's mm-hmm. doing all sorts of crazy stuff. Yeah, who is he with this pursuit of yellow journalism to all of a sudden become this noble knight? And it's ridiculous. Because Don't you know who? He's, he's Charles he's Foster Kane. <laughs> That's right. Because in his mind, he's actually not being corrupt. That smirk uh, hides a lot. Well, it's funny too that later later on, I think I did pretty well under the circumstances. Smirk. Yeah, I think he know he knows. He it's it's so interesting. Like in the scenes with, you know, he's the smartest guy in the room sure. at all times. Mm-hmm. And I think when he's getting torn into by Joseph Cotton later in the film, he knows he's wrong. Right. You know, of course he is. Of course he does. But he's still going to do it. Right. Because the yeah. pride. By the way, that last cut, the smiling cut between them is yeah. my. I hate that shot in the movie. It's it's I. I wish really? they would cut. The, if I could cut anything out of Citizen Kane, wow. it would be that stupid smile he has looking back at Joseph Cotton because he's it's so uh, unbelievable. Yeah, it's not authentic. Um. By the way, so two things. When Hurst, oh, this we got to talk about this transition. Yeah. It is brilliant, and this is something we've seen lots of times after, but I've never seen this before. Pushing in on these guys mm-hmm. and taking the picture. And it makes no sense. Why are they all in the same? Six years later, they're in the same suits as they were before. Makes no sense. But but you get the point. But we yeah. get the point. Yeah, yeah. And now we're gonna get a great party. Yeah. My guess is partying with Orson Welles was a lot more fun than partying with William Randolph Hearst. Probably. I know it. But William Randolph Hearst didn't like drinking. But you also did. Oh, okay. There we yeah. go. Well. But you also to do. You had to deal with Welles' mercurial temper, which was legendary. Sure. 
Well, you know, when he was telling that guy to redo the paper, the front page again, mm-hmm. I think, yep, that's what working with Orson Welles was. He probably, yeah. Stay up all night again. Yeah. So that so and yeah, we see here Bernstein goading him and kind of like kissing his butt a little bit by being like, you know, you got to get all those things and you got to get all these. Things. It's it's his. It, he's playing into Wells's ego, right? Or Kane's ego, rather. And and it's in a fun way. Yes, in an absolutely fun way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the it, ice sculpture is great, right? The ice sculptures right. are fantastic. It, it, it's funny being around when you're around people. I don't know that I've ever been around anyone at the level of Orson Welles, but mm. people who are the sun in the room, yeah, you know, where everybody orbits around them. And what's interesting with him, and I've seen this from a distance with movie stars and people, mm-hmm. is people comfortable being in that position. Yeah, I am the most important person here. Everyone should focus on me. Yeah. I mean, the guy... Did he commission this song to be written about him, by the way? Uh, I don't know, to be honest with you. He knows all the words. Yeah, good point. He, he might have did. He might have written it. Sure. You know? But here's his hubris again, yeah. right? And, you know, again, the Spanish-American War thing, the guy started a war mm-hmm. for no re- And that's true of Hearst. Yeah. For no particular reason, you know? Other than to sell papers. Yeah. But, and this is the thing, and this is, it's a great point you bring up about the song, you know, because he's all playful and he's great with them because he got what he wanted. He's a, he's got this rich kid. He he bought the people he wanted. He he got ahead and he's look. Yeah. He's all playful with them, um, but he has a song written for him, and that is the first I think first glimpse we have into his dangerous hubris, his dangerous ego, this need to have it constantly stroked. Why? Because he doesn't have the love of his mother. It is constant throughout right. the whole movie. How much he needs to get his butt kissed. Because he was never, he never got that love from his mom. So the hole is so large, it cannot be filled. Well, and the thing too, you know, Kane, you know, and this is certainly true of Hearst is, you know, that expression, you know, you're born on third base and think you hit a triple. Yeah. You know, it's like <laughs> the guy got owned the paper. He didn't yeah. have to work to get the paper. Right. You know, and then he bought the people from the, he used money using, losing a million dollars a year to build this paper. It's like, now is Charles Foster Kane a genius? Absolutely. Yeah. But is he a self-made man? No, no way. No. You know, where would he have gotten if he didn't have all this money? It's amazing when daddy gives you $11 million and you think you've really done something. Yeah. Um, amazing. I love, by the way, Joseph Cotton's performance mm-hmm. as he just sort of <laughs> enthusiastically, strangely sings this song. Well, I think he's restraint. I think he knows what's happening, so, which is why I don't think he, he dials into the song as fervently as Bernstein does. Because he's has his he's having his own internal dialogue about what his friend, who he knows deeply, is doing. He's watching yeah. his friend progress into this other person. And here in this inner, in this exchange he has with Bernstein coming up is what he says. It could be that they. Yeah, here we go. Yeah. Well, and then and, I mean they they fulfill their roles, mm-hmm. which is like Cotton is going. You know, are these people that aren't they as much to our principles as they were to the Chronicles principles? Right. And 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 Bernstein's like, yeah, of course, everybody everybody's working for a paycheck. Yep. That's what they do, right? You know, because Bernstein's essentially practical. Cotton is a failed idealist, but and that's the thing. But but Cotton is also worried about his friend's emotional progression and who he's going to right. become. Because he says it could be that these guys will change him, not him changing these guys. And right. that's what he worries about. Because he loves him, he worries about what the end result is going to be. Because as he's seen his friend and his weaknesses and what he could possibly become. 
if influenced in the wrong way. By the way, once again, we see the background foreground and what you were pointing out, we see Wells dancing in the reflection of the mirror. How fantastic is that, Steve? Yeah. It's just so great. Yeah. Well, and it was funny, this idea of did they change him? I don't think they change him. I think Kane is Kane. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Like, the, I think it's sort of the natural progression of where he's going. Probably, yeah. So here we are back in the uh, in the newspaper office, mm-hmm. now filled with statues. And of course, this comes from William Randolph Hearst, too, right. who collected all sorts of weird stuff from all <laughs> over Europe. If you go to San Simeon, it is ridiculous, some of the stuff. That well, Michael Jackson was like this, too. When you have a, a lot of money, you can just buy whatever you want, walk into places and yeah. buy whatever you want. It must be insane. This is where I go. People have too much money. Yeah, you know? right. I mean, I'll, I can buy a candy bar. Yeah. That's a luxury. And now these people are buying statues. Yeah. I, I, lo- I love I love the Leland's version of himself. Am I am I I forget what am I a school marm? Yeah, I, all that stuff. <laughs> and Bernstein's <laughs> response is that his he feels his job is to be Kane when right. he's not there. Right. I'm not going to tell you any different than he did. They say if you think I was going to say anything different, you're wrong. Right, exactly. But now we have this announcement, right? That Emily that he's married the president's niece. Not right? yet. Not, not yet. yet. Okay, because okay. he's got to show up. Right. Yeah, he's right. going to show up. Um, oh, that's right, because the cable we, comes in. Yes, it's a, right. that, that we know that he's uh, getting a diamond. This shot is amazing, by right. the way. The framing of this and mm-hmm. the positioning of everybody. He does such a good job of using faces coming into yeah. the f- half into the frame. And the, the choice side. of the white suit. Oh. And the Purity, mustache. Of course. Yeah. And the mustache, right. Yeah. And his nervousness and awkwardness. It kind of mirrors the earlier scene with Erskine Stanford and sort of the sort of movement and... yeah. He's almost got a Gable-ish yeah. vibe to totally. him, or Gable-ish vibe to him, yeah. Um, and, and this is one area where he's burying the lead. He's right. like, let's keep this thing quiet, which is not like him. It's a little no. out of character. No. And how do you think he feels about Emily, about his first wife? Well, I think, I don't think he has an ability to love or care anybody for anybody. It's not... He's never learned how to do it, therefore he has no concept of it. Like even look, even the way he takes that thing and runs off, like it, he does not respect that they did this for him and did this beautiful thing for him. He doesn't take a moment to say thank you or to you know say speech that is really encouraging to them. He doesn't want to do it. But I think with neat with Emily, it 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 is the next logical step for him in his mind. That's closer to the halls of power. I, I agree with everything you said, but he also does seem genuinely awkward and nervous for the only time in the film. Mm-hmm. You know, and so there's what he's experiencing something that's different, I think. Well, because with he's still her. a 10 year old kid yeah. raised in a, a poverty stricken thing. So he doesn't have, like, he wasn't raised to be amongst this world and generations oh, sure he was. and decades. But he, from 10 until not, 20, yeah, not he from was. Birth. It matters from birth. Maybe. Man. I think it does. You think so? You think it's a class thing? Absolutely. I think it's a. That's why he's unsettled and weird. This is a president's niece. He's shooting above his league. Oh, see, I you see, and I think it's an intimacy thing. I think that he isn't prepared. He doesn't know what this is to be going into a somewhere someone's going to be inside. Yeah, but we never see a, a softness from Emily ever. No, right? So no, we do, we do, we do. At the beginning of the breakfast scene. The, oh yeah, sure. Softness. They have a little bit of softness. You're right. That's right. Yeah. But then it's it's quickly cold. Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny as we leave that we've le- left joyfulness now, mm-hmm. you know, and the fact that we come back to the room and it's nighttime now, it's darker, it's dark. Yeah. And, and, and there's this idea, this discussion of this understanding of growing old yeah. from this movie from this 24 year old mm-hmm. kid that I think is so profound, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. nothing particularly wrong with him, just old age. It's the one disease you're not looking forward to being cured of, yeah. whatever that is. I mean, that's some deep stuff we're getting into. Right. 
and it slowly pulls out. The camera slowly pulls out. Yeah, you know, as 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 this conversation becomes a little bit softer, you know. Because- well, and and the thing too is that he says keep saying you should talk to Leland. Right. When was the last time Bernstein talked to Leland? Yeah, it's been a long time. Right. Well, without the connective tissue of Cain, yeah, why would they? Yeah. Sometimes that that's the way it goes. Sometimes no, you true. have that third friend that connects the two, and once that third friend is removed, sometimes you're almost awkward in interaction without that third friend in that the room. That's totally true. Yeah. To- even if you like that person. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And so let's go find Mr. Leland, you know, <laughs> um, and under the bridge, mm-hmm. you know, like this is not a nice place he's in. Well, it's very reminiscent of the opening shot, the the going up mm. the fence. You know, we have him up in his tower. Yeah. Because he does think he's above. I love Joe Cotton's uh, old man acting. It's very cool. <laughs> the mustache is perfect. The, yeah. And the, the glasses the, and, the, and, the, and the visor. The visor is great. Yeah. He's still cl- because because he comes from class. He comes from money, right? So therefore, his way of growing old is not going to be Kane's way of growing old. It's just different. He's more settled. You, know, you, make, you more actually lived. now that you say that, I, yeah. I kind of I, I think I'm coming to your way of thinking because Kane is new money. Yeah, Kane is that's new how, money. That's how he behaves. Mm-hmm. All the purchasing, the grandstanding, the you know, it's all, all to stuff. show off. It's all to show off because he's not used to having it. Yeah. Whereas Cotton never did. He had money. Came from money. Do all those things. He didn't need to because it's already ingrained. He knows he could do it if he wanted. Well, except to. and he has no money. You know that's what's so fascinating because right. he has right. the, his his is the opposite story. It's this old wealthy family, mm-hmm. and then the father kills himself, and you find out there's no money there. Right? You know, just so debts, he, just right. debt, nothing but de- debts. Um, but and, the way he's raised is old. Yeah, man. yeah. And by the way, Leland has spent fifty years thinking about Cain. Mm-hmm. Like he has been waiting for someone to come along and ask him those questions. <laughs> and he because he's got it worked. And really, more than anybody else, I think he kind of has his finger on who this guy was. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, he's the only one who, who, in my opinion, who interprets Cain correctly. Yeah. And as much as you can. As much as you can. Right. Exactly. But I think yeah. I think, and I think that's what's great about the film, Steve, is all of us, depending on how we we think or our upbringing can connect to one person in this film and buy their story of Kane more right. powerfully within our, so it that's rings more point. powerfully for me, Cotton's for some people it's Bernstein's for some people it's Susan's for some people it's yeah. Thatcher's it's, it's for me, it's cotton. I'm probably too with cotton. Yeah. I love Bernstein. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about this dissolve that's sure, coming sure. up because it's fascinating. So the way they do it, they have this extremely slow dissolve and it's a superimposition. And what they do is you make sure that the side of the screen you're going to dissolve into is really dark mm-hmm. so that as you're doing the dissolve, that will come up first Okay. before and the light parts will fade out last so uh as we're going into it i think pretty soon um Mm -hmm. we'll see we'll see that the breakfast appear in the background in the dark area and cotton will say they're talking even longer it's really really beautiful but i think so oh oh, yeah so here it goes see and so cotton stays Uh, there because he's well lit and the other side comes in earlier Mm -hmm. and that's you have to plan that in advance that's amazing I think it's important too to note that Cotton says, "Oh, I knew Emily. She was in dancing school." So that's the thing. He's not yeah. intimidated by Emily because he knew her since she was a child. Sure. Of course. But Wells would be or Kane would be falling all over himself. The this sequence is one of the most remarkable in film. The and everything from the costuming, the hair, the makeup, mm-hmm. what they're eating, and the, we see the progression of this relationship in about two minutes. Yes, it's one of the most effective portrayals of the end of a relationship you've ever, from the beginning to an end of a relationship yeah. you've ever. And look where she's lit; she's very brightly lit, very she's glowing almost. They're both look, glowing. And look at his hair yeah. and the mustache, and he's just suave and sexy. And 
And she's uh, sexy too. Like the the dress is just above the breast line. You can see just the beginning of the breast. So it's very sexy to wear. And you can like feel this. the tension. Yeah. And now she the becomes more clothes have changed up. a little bit. Yep. I love, this is one of my favorite Orson outfits. Oh, <laughs> the smoking jacket and the pipe. And I want I want to do that once, just once. <laughs> you look good. I think you could do, I can pull that off. Thank you. And we see the little progression in their relationship. Mm-hmm. And and the darkness of it coming in. Clothes wise, too, she becomes more and more covered up. Yep. She covers herself up more from him. He becomes more and more uh, open and loose with his clothes. Yep. It's the swagger and Confidence. her Cocking. His politics are starting to bother her. Yep. The amount of time he works is starting to bother her. Yep. The Bernstein and the toy is that something? Her anti semitism is coming in. And this is one area where I like Kane. You know, Kane standing up to her is look, just great. Look at how covered up she is now. Yep. Like it's fully covered. And that bow is. I mean, like the clothes are more ridiculous. Right. And now he's just full a businessman. Mm-hmm. You know, this is where he defends Bernstein. Yeah. Um, and now, and now that's the yeah. that line. By the way, people will think what I tell them to think. Mm-hmm. Ooh. And now, what newspaper is she reading? <laughs> the Chronicle. Right. As we sit in silence, he reads it's the like, Examiner, yeah. and the camera slowly pulls back out, and we go back to the same process dissolve back to uh, Leland. So you imagine they've been married for at least. 10, 10 years and 15 years yeah, yeah. to see the progression yeah yeah and then we go dissolve back into him back which to is him. great yeah yeah i mean we learned so much about their relationship mm-hmm. and it's funny is we're with orson you know for the bernstein thing but when she says people will think what i tell them to think yeah. it's like wait a minute that's the first really dark moment i think you see from him that's a great point where you go like hold on yeah. i don't i'm not comfortable with that right you know it's the idealism turned turned wrong well and this is the great mistake that Hearst made is Hearst thought because he was a newspaper man he could be president because he could create public opinion yeah he could influence yeah but he was wrong right that's not how it works well and he tried he destroyed many careers oh yeah and many people were beholden to him and and he had people on his payroll who did his bidding well what's interesting what's interesting and you've seen this uh particularly I would say with the Republican Party is that you can create anger but you can't control it right you know well We've seen that numerous yeah. protests now. So we're about to meet Susan Alexander. Yeah. And I'm really fascinated by who this Charles Foster Kane is at this moment. Interesting. You know, because where he was going, we know that we find out that he was going to look through his mother's things that had been sitting through in a warehouse. Right. You know. But this is a tragic moment. He was going to possibly be redeemed. He was going to look through his mother's things. He was going to maybe come to terms with this stuff. Maybe he becomes a changed person. But instead, mm. he meets Susan, has this interaction with Susan, gives into instead of going to look through his mother's things, he instead goes, swings back to having his ego stroked, having this hole filled by this, by a young woman that he could manipulate whose self-esteem and and self-worth are maybe even lower than yeah. his, so that he could he could twist her to be something that uh, he could use to kiss his own ass with. And that's the tragedy of, of Cain is throughout this movie, there are moments where he can change or become better and he doesn't. It's funny. I never thought about it that way. Like that, that I never saw him going to look through his mother's things as a chance for redemption. Why wouldn't it be? It's the one thing he doesn't have. Yeah, but you don't get love from your mom by looking through her stuff. But if there is, if there's a diary that says, I miss my son, I keep thinking of my son, I spend my whole time with him. Like, yeah, maybe something. I mean, what is, we know the one thing that is there. The sled. Is the sled. Right. 
is he would, but and because the thing is, is to me, lo- looking at the stuff is doesn't give you a childhood. You know what I mean? You don't look at things and like remember your mom or your dad. Oh, of course I feel do. affection, oh, oh, feel love, and feel sure. But it doesn't give him back the fifteen years of his life that. Or, you know what or. I mean? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like it, it does. It's not going to. I'm not saying that he he probably would have been better off not getting splash and going to do that rather yes. than Susan Alexander. Right. Definitely right. But I don't know that there would be any. I don't know. Who knows? I never thought of it that way. Well, before. I always think that there was a possibility for redemption. And he chose not to. And I think because you look through that stuff and maybe that inspires him to become a better person. Maybe that inspires him to come to terms with things. But instead, he goes to the ego stroke, which is Susan. Well, because and he has, as we see in this scene, this ability to charm. Mm -hmm. Like if you got the full brightness of Orson Welles's charisma poured at you, you're what are you going to do? You're yeah. you're gonna do whatever he wants, and we also have to remember he's coming out of this relationship with Emily. He's yeah. like unloved, yeah. right by his own wife, and I don't know what his relationship with his child. We that's one of the negatives about Kane. I think is that we never get to see this relationship with his child until his child is killed. We have just one scene when he's doing the political stuff, but no real. There's no real like great scenes establishing his connection with his child either, so we could see how he would be as a father. Well, it's interesting. Like between Emily and then between Thatcher, it yeah. seems like that kid's life was pretty formal. Yeah. You know what I mean? The way Thatcher raised Wells and the way he's raising his kid. Yeah. Like it doesn't seem like it's a lot of fun. Right. So from what little we've seen, hmm. you know? And again, look at look at Orson Welles' gaze into yeah. her. He is giving her one. She probably never felt attention like this in her life. Right. And, and what's so the greatest, Susan Alexander is the greatest tragedy in this movie. Oh, absolutely. And it is so painful what he does to her. Mm-hmm. And so stupid. You know what I mean? Like this is where, you know, he, he gives up on, when he gives up on politics, he goes, now my project's going to be this woman Yep. and fighting the entire world to turn her into something that makes her miserable. She makes her the battlefield for his uh, anger at the world yeah. and, and her feelings, her emotions, her, her humanness matters nothing to him nope. until she finally in an act of rebellion tries to kill herself to remove herself from the pain. Well, and even then, and even he, then, even right. then, I don't think it. He, but he turns her into a spite. Like this is a vibrant, funny, yes, insecure, but young woman, and he turns her into this boozy, uh, depressed, suicidal uh, uh, well, songstress, for lack of a better term. Well, and it's you know it goes back to this love on my terms thing yeah. that we're going to hear a lot. We're going to hear in the film is that is that he wants to force the world to do things the way he wants them to mm-hmm. do it. Mm-hmm. He wants to force her to become what he wants her. Well, and it's funny too because we also have the mother thing here. Yeah, because what did his her mother want her to be? Her mother wanted to be a great opera singer. Yeah, and he's like, this is why I go to like that relationship with his own mom mm-hmm. is pretty weird. Like his desire. I think he feels that she rejected him and turned him away mm-hmm. and is desperate to have mom's love. Mm-hmm. And so now he's going to turn this other woman into the thing that her mother wanted her to be in order to somehow get his own mother to love him on some love. I mean, it's some weird. Well, and that's why I think his attempts at redemption are, are, are powerfully motivated. They're ham handed at times. No, everything else he yeah. does is with gusto and purpose and drive but this idea to confront the loss of his mother or the rejection by his mother is never spoken about. He never speaks about it with anyone until like, even maybe the end. And so how deep was that within him? You know, that's left for us to devise as right. we watch the film. 
Well, and the intensity with which he's listening to her right. sing. And it's funny, apparently Dorothy Comingore is a pretty good singer. Yes, of course. And they made her sing out of her range and these uncomfortable things. Well, like Gene Hagen in, in yeah. Singing in the Rain. She can actually sing really right. well. Yeah. Right. Now we're beginning the, the political campaign. And I love that they use the same speech, by the way. They go right in from Leland giving the speech to Kane doing it. This is my favorite scene of the movie. Oh, God. The power, dude. Just yeah. the look. Do you know what I'm saying? That poster, yep. the, 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 the cheek, the, I mean, the chin jabbed in, it's, yep. you know? Yeah, and the, sh- I mean, the shots are amazing and powerful. Yeah. Well, and this idea, I may know campaign promises. Like, like, like the, the guy claims to be the fighter for the people. Mm-hmm. But is he? But once again, do we have shades of Trump here? Because he's like... I'm not a political, I'm not, sure. I, you know, I didn't make those, I didn't have any chances, I didn't make any campaign problems. He's essentially saying, I'm one of you, I'm not a poli- career politician, I'm just a regular guy trying to do what's best for the little guy, yeah. you know? Yeah. And it, same, but, but it's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. I don't know, you know, I don't know if it's all bullshit, but there's okay. a lot of bullshit in here. You love Kane a lot, don't you? <laughs> well, no, I mean, I think, here's the thing, is that did his paper do things to fight for the masses? Yes, they did. Yeah, sure. The copper and all that stuff. And the did does Kane believe in those causes to some degree? Sure, I think he does. But I always, I think they're all come secondary to his idolatry of himself. Right. Yes. You know what I mean. But he does those things from the idolatry of himself. Yeah. Because he needs to feel like he's important. He matters. Absolutely. He does these. So therefore, he goes and attacks these things so he can be lauded once again, filling that hole that yeah. cannot be filled. I mean, it's why I, you know I talked about on the podcast I think before reading all those Lyndon Johnson books, mm. and he's fascinating. And he he's basically the same thing: the greatest political operator of all time. Yeah. And did genuinely believe in certain things, but the number one thing he believed in was Lyndon Johnson. Right. You know, I. I dated a girl years ago who was Chuck Robb's sec. I think I talked about this too on the same thing. And she, he, she had a picture of Lyndon Johnson, like towering over a Senator as he convinces that Senator to vote a certain way, probably with his finger right in his chest. Mm, Well, yeah. yeah, And he's like a literally craning over the guys. And she said, that's that to me is one of my favorite pictures and encapsulates Lyndon Johnson. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And here, and this is like the moment, this is the peak. This is the height for Mm -hmm. Kane. Yep. And it's all about to come crashing down here we have the great ray collins who yes. i grew up with watching on perry mason ah uh, yeah um right. and he's also one of the mercury theater players and he he is and one of those supporting actors with unbelievable range and he is fantastic in this mm-hmm. um for the small part that he's in and what is about to happen what has he has made happen and what he has done with emily in this moment on the night before the election is just crazy so you see there's genuine affection i think it's the same kid who plays his son that plays him when he's younger. Really? It sure looks like him. They look similar. I yeah. He looks a little chubbier. <laughs> All right, Steve. I'm just don't saying. Don't fat shame the child, for God's sake. He's dead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe not. He could but, be around. But she's beautiful in this scene, oh, man. Sure. She's vibrant and gold. Yeah. Like, she's actually very sexy in a certain way. Yeah. And so, but she had, like, she has this the whole time. She knows what she's going to do the whole time. Right. Well, and she expect what she she expects and what everyone expects is going to happen is he's going to drop out of the race Mm -hmm. and he's not going to do that. But once again, this is new money versus old money for her being a president. She's already a president's niece. She doesn't care about it. But for him, it is the drive to be proven once again that he's important. 
Well, and and that no one's going to tell him what to do. Right. You know what and I mean? And she's like, we have to save shame to the right. family name. And he's like, no, I'm going to do what I want to do. It's dangerous. <laughs> yeah. But it's his hubris. Again, it's hubris, his idolatry, right? He thinks he can override this situation, control the situation. I, I love this moment when, when the woman opens the door and says, hello, Mr. Kane. Oh. Or come right in, Mr. Kane. That is, and that's that's the confirmation. Yeah. That is the okay. This is true. Yeah. Um. And and the I love the casting of Ray Collins. He's very much based on uh, I forget which uh, governor it is of New York. Oh, ran for president, Al Smith. Very mm. much based on Al okay. Smith, which is a you know lower to middle class upbringing, yeah. definitely tied in with some extremely popular democratic candidate, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but maybe somewhat corrupt on some levels. Um, and now we have this oh, LaGuardia. Yeah. Huey, Huey, what his name is down in tennis or down in South. Oh, uh, Huey uh, Long. Huey Long. Yeah. Um, and I love Ray Collins in the shadows. Yeah. He's yeah. in the shadows because he has information, right? She's in the light. Yeah, and, and, and now Kane's going to try to intimidate, try to fight back, mm-hmm. you know, because he doesn't want to be told what to do. And this is essentially a mob boss yeah. that he's trying to intimidate. Right, and then she has the note, and, you know, it's it's also tawdry and cheap for a guy. So So apparently the marriage isn't over. He's been right. cheating on her with Susan right. the whole time. Well, we don't, I mean, you know, at what, well, not the whole time of the marriage, what, but the when the during the breakfast sequence, did he meet Dorothy Comingor? That's a good question. You know, we don't exactly know. It seems to me it's near the end. Yeah. You know, just probably. based on how oh, yeah, old he looks. he looks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Probably as soon as you started reading the Chronicle. Right. And, and, and we don't know how long after this, Emily and the son die in the car accident. Right. It's some amount of time, but we don't know how long. Yeah. You know, and then, and of course, the big thing that Orson Welles and everyone has said that Orson Welles does regret is mm-hmm. that. The treatment of Susan Alexander is really cruel to Marion Davies, which is her mistress, Mm -hmm. who, from what everyone says, is a lovely, amazing, fun, great, cool person. And, you know, in a lot of ways, what if anybody remembers William Randolph Hearst, they're actually remembering Citizen Kane. Right. You know, today. Um, And that's sort of sad. Right. Um, and the rosebud thing is a reference to yes. Marion Davis's private parts. Yes, so those, it's, that's that's not cool. But again, that's the hubris of a twenty-four-year-old. Yeah, of course he regrets it when he gets older. Just like Kane regrets a lot of shit he did when he was younger. Right. That's the thing, you know. Well, and particularly if you hadn't done Rosebud. Yeah. Maybe I mean, but who knows? I mean, this is you know. Maybe Luella Parsons isn't sicked on him. Maybe yeah. they don't try to destroy the movie. Yeah, yeah. That's something people need to understand. If you do your history of Kane, and we'll probably talk about it when we do the movie, but like this movie almost was destroyed before it was ever released. And that's insane to think about considering it's influenced so many filmmakers since it came out in 1941. Right. And now we got to the choice and we have, and again, we have perfect framing of Kane in the background. Now he's in the shadows. Yeah. Right. And everyone turning to him. Right. And everyone's telling him his enemy, his wife, his mistress are, you got to back down. Once again, here's a moment where he can make the right decision seek redemption, take the hit, swallow his pride, learn, right? but he will not do it. Well, because he doesn't, on a fundamental level, care about anybody, anyone but himself. Mm-hmm. His, he, he, he cares about people so that, they, so that they love him. Right. You know? Well, it's, I don't know if it's about it. 
that's an interesting point you bring up. If he cared about himself, he'd do the right thing to preserve his legacy. I think this is... I think he doesn't care about himself. I think his insecurity and his self-worth, I think all of it is so that he doesn't care. Because just like we talked about earlier, fools rush in and being more cautious. If he was more cautious, he would take the hit. He would let go of Jim Geddes. He would stay with Emily. But he doesn't because he has this desire to almost self-destructive impulses that are that are inherent in most people who are insecure, incredibly insecure. Mm. He has this self-destructive impulse. And it is this. This is such a fool's errand. He is so against odds to succeed in this, yet he does it and he thinks he's being noble when in fact he's being incredibly stupid. And well, and and you know, he's spoiled. Yes. I mean, like this too. is the other thing is that he's never had anyone say no to him. Right. You Good know what point. I mean? He's or get the able, better of him. Yeah. yeah. He, any problems he's run into, he's been able to buy his way out of. Yeah. And he thinks that that's because he's awesome. Right. And of course he is awesome on a lot of ways. Sure. But at this level, he's come up against something that he can't defeat. And by the way, no one gets this reaction from him other yeah. than Gettys and Susan. And Susan yep. later when he rips the room apart. But this. Yeah. He has lost it. Mm-hmm. And this, hearing that voice as the door closes, you know. Yeah. And Ray Collins is great, too, as you spoke about, Steve, when he says, oh, your husband's just being, uh, he's just being whatever, calling me. So I'm not a gentleman or whatever. Your husband's just being funny calling right. me that. Like, all of that, it's just, he's very composed. Well, and he says one of the other great prophetic things is you're going to need more than one lesson. Yes, and you're going you know, to get more than and one And you're going to get one more oh, I love lesson. It. You know? Right. Hey, and we, this is the beginning of the end for Kane, yeah. right? All of this. Yeah. Great cut to Leland. Because mm-hmm. now Leland knows because Leland had a relationship with Emily. To know that Kane, who pushed all this ide- idealistic shit, is actually a cheating, selfish, egotistic. Like he finally has the confirmation. So he goes to drink. He gets himself drunk because he knows he has to confront him. And it's not just, I don't think it's just that Leland's, that Kane's been having an affair. I think, and, and part of me thinks Leland might have known he was having an affair. Oh, you're it's that right. he throws away yes. the cause. Yes. For his own ego. Right. Is that that's where is the that belief. He believed in the Declaration of Principles on some level, even mm-hmm. though he knew mm-hmm. his friend's flaws. But now the Declaration of Principles is gone. Yeah. And look at this scene, right? Fraud at the polls. Yeah. Right. Once again, what do we see from it's fake news? <laughs> Thank you. What do we see from certain a certain network constantly promoting bullshit that is not correct because they want to placate their, yeah. their friends and not tell the truth. Right. Yeah fraud at the polls like what's happening with Roy Moore and this whole thing that he's doing with Alabama is ridiculous same thing yeah again we have these low angles and to get these low angles by the way and the the biggest one's going to be coming up later but yeah. but they actually took out a jackhammer and dug a hole in the floor I heard it to was get an the axe an axe that they cut through the floor with yeah. the, with a with an axe in it because it was wooden floors on the side uh, and so they just went through and Tolan put yeah. his camera under there because that's what Wells thought it would be nice because he shot. wanted to have these heroic mm-hmm. looks and that's, of course, why you have to have ceilings on your sets. Right. right. Um, yeah. I mean, this is the, you know, mm-hmm. some people never really learn their lessons. And this is the giant brought down to yeah. a smallness. I love this scene. It's amazing. Yeah. There's so much in it. Yeah. Well, and this is the only person who can even a little bit stand up to Kane, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And, he's, and yet still at the end, Steve, he doesn't leave his employee. He just leaves the location. Yeah. He's well, he's still, he doesn't have anywhere else to go, you know? 
I guess. I think it's because he still, in some small way, still cares for him. Yeah. I th- I think so. And needs him. Mm-hmm. You know? Because Leland is, you know, without Kane, who would he be? Right. You know? I don't know that he have a job. It's pretty much most people who get around Kane. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and this idea, you know, like, this is where he's been building up for 20, you know, however long they've been friends. Yeah. The ammunition, and now he's going to kind of let it come out. Yeah. This is what I really think about you. Yeah. And again, as we said, more than anyone else in this movie, he's right. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's got his number. Mm-hmm. No one understands him better than Leland does, in my opinion. What yeah. I love, too, the sort of like, I'll, you're, I'll get drunk, too. Yeah. And that's sort of, you never get drunk, you know? Right, and this is the transit. Once again, this is a transition moment, much like they had with the old editor of the paper, where they were making fun of him. Here we are in this office again, same place, yeah. seeing the transition of what he of 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 what uh, Leland's talking about, which is unions, right. unionizing, where they're getting where Charles Fa- well Charles Foster Kane was like fighting for them to get their rights. Now they're like they expect their rights, so it removes his cause right. or his uh, uh, being at the front of this cause. And now it becomes something where everyone wants it as opposed to him winning it for them. Well, and I think too, and I don't know the implication. It seems as if the implication to me when he talks about organized labor is that now the Kane papers are against organized labor. Right. You know, because now they've become, they've gotten a label. We, you know, and this is something we see from all sides of politics and the news of like, yeah. let's label someone, you know, are they an undocumented immigrant or an illegal alien? Right. And that is the policy based on how you refer to that group. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, Again, these unbelievable low angle shots and makes these people look so heroic. Once again, I tell people to study the Caesar stuff that Wells did. There are books about it. Once again, these are things that he he loved the low angle stuff. He developed this during Caesar. It's only a couple of years later, three years later that he's making uh, Citizen Kane. And it is these shots from a below to show these men both grandiose and then broken and destroyed. You know? Yeah. And this, that moment of betrayal, the reaction, I want to go to Chicago. Mm-hmm. That is the end of the friendship. Right. You know? He tries to convince him not. He says, you know, it's cold, the wind to come up. And he's like, oh. And so, and both of them need each other. I think he needs him too. And this is why he agrees to Well, you have to have people that can call you on your shit. Well, if, some people aren't don't like that. Right. But if you don't, the, the, you know, Leland leaving, that's one of the other things that sends him to the dark places absolutely. because he has nobody else. Nobody else is going to call him on a shit at all. Mm-hmm. You know, Bernstein's not going to do it. Susan Alexander's not going to do it. There's nobody else. Everyone Emily else, dies. Yeah. Emily dies. Yeah. So like, there's nobody else to keep him in check, mm-hmm. you know, but I love this line from this scene, a toast Jedediah to love on our terms. It's the only terms anyone ever knows. That's what do you powerful state? What do you think about that? I think that's true. I don't think I don't think we ever get things on our terms. Well, I think we want to see it on. That's why they have that book like Love Languages. That's how right. we communicate our love. Yeah. And so you have to understand how people, other people, communicate their love. But love on our terms, the only terms anyone ever knows, right? This whole yeah. idea. Yeah, but the pro- but the process of life mm-hmm. is learning to understand love. That learning to understand you're not going to get it on your terms, right? And understand other well, majority terms, of the time, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that that and part of his basic insensitivity is that's all he can right think about is his own terms, right? And this goes back to yeah. Steve's theory of the A to Z, which we'll talk about. Sure. 
This get, guy. Love this guy. Oh, he's great. <laughs> and we get thrust. We jump forward several mm-hmm. years, and we get thrust into this weird what's going on scene in this in the chaos of this opera house. Right. And, of course, we're going to see this see this shot twice, once from the direction of oh, the yeah. audience, once from backstage direction. Right, right. And it is loud and chaotic and crazy yeah. and stressful. And once again, we go from the quiet end of the relation, end of the or beginning of the end of the friendship between Leland and Kane into, well, he's happy. He's married. Susan built opera house, you know, so she didn't leave him. This thing didn't affect him adversely. Only politically did it affect him adversely. Other than that, he's fine. He's still rich. He still has his stuff. And he builds an opera house. Except we don't feel good. No, of course not. Yeah, no, no, we no, no, feel no, no, no. bad. Yeah. So here we are going up and up and up into the into the fly area of the stage. I'm sure you've been in big theaters like this where you climb. Oh, oh it's so cool backstage here. And we have this just perfect, perfect moment to tell us how we're supposed to feel about these sing- this singing. Go all the way up to the guys way up on the fly. Right. Because... <laughs> <laughs> and now we... Because I can't judge her opera singer, but they, right. they sure can. Right. And it's nice that he built the opera house in Chicago because right. that's where Leland's the dramatic critic. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that's on purpose yeah. to get Leland's favorable review. Yeah. Well, and we go to the Declaration of Principles again, and let's write a great review of this terrible opera. You have no principles. Right. You know? But then I think this is where Bernstein becomes more than just a fan. Because he is his his henchman. He is essentially his henchman. He is doing his bidding. Well, it seems like no question that at this point he's running the papers. Yeah. You know, he's he's really running the company the way that he knows Kane would want it run. As sweet as he is, I don't think he's uh, uh, absent of fault. Yeah. And, and and we also have to take a moment to talk about one of the stages of Kane, like exactly where yeah. he is. You have to figure out with the makeup artist, what age is he right now? Right. What size is he right now? And that fur coat. Man, yeah. That is a, that is an outfit he's got on. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, and he had trouble maintaining his weight for when, for the younger scenes. Oh yeah. He, he would put like these little fishnets that would yank his cheeks back to the back of his oh, wow. neck. Yeah. I read this in a couple of, uh, I should get some of those. Will work? Maybe for the face. And here you see Bernstein, like, kind of, yeah, cluing in the people about what's sort of going on that he and Leland haven't seen each other for a long time, and and Bernstein's keeping things under control, Mm -hmm. you know, because that's his job, right? Man, you gotta want to have a Bernstein. He's diminutive, but he's powerful. He's no, he's a powerful guy and sharp and knows what's going on. That's right. Again, we're in these wide-angle shots with that bottle huge in the foreground. Yeah. And I love uh, the age makeup is great on them as well. Yeah. On Bernstein, on how come they can't get it right in 2017, 2018, but they got it right in 1941? Well, part it's of it's amazing film. To me. Part of it's film and black Ooh. and white. It's easier to do with film. Film is very forgiving. Okay. HD is not forgiving at all. Yeah, that's a good point. And color makes it much, much harder. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but, but these are great artists. Still doesn't play Mr. Saturday Night. That's the worst I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. Um, and here we have Leland's bad review. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love that Kane finishes it. Finishes a bad review. Right. Because he knows his friend. He knows his friend. Why is he finishing that bad review? I think, oh, I think because in some uh, egotistical way, he thinks he's honoring his friend by finishing the review the way his friend would finish it. I think, so here's the thing. Mm -hmm. 
is that I think he's trying to tell his friend he's honorable. Right. He's trying to show his friend. That's what I mean. That's But ego. he's not actually honorable. No, no, no. Of course not. Yeah. Well, and it's and this is a direct connection to the previous scene with Leland, mm-hmm. where Leland in the previous scene attacked his principles. So you don't really have principles. So in this scene, he's going to show him that he does. Right. To convince him to love him. So here's a question for Steve Morris. Yeah. What do you think is going through Bernstein's mind as he watches Kane finish the review improv right here? And he says to him, I didn't read that. I didn't see that. Yeah. What do you think is going through Bernstein's mind here? Does he find even more nobility in Kane? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think he buys Kane's. I think he goes because there's the moment when Leland wakes up and he yeah. says, yeah, he's writing a bad review. Yeah. That'll show you. That'll yeah. show you. Yeah. Yeah. Because because well. Because essentially Leland is the friend of Kane that mm-hmm. doesn't buy the bullshit. And Bernstein is the friend of his that on an essential level loves him. Well, there's, there's this essential divide, Steve, between people who think because you're family and friends, you have to defend them all the time. Right. And there are people who go, no, we're all humans. Friends and family can be wrong. Strangers can be right. But there, there is a, a real legitimate divide in people with, and I've confronted it because I'm not the kind of person who thinks just because you're my friend or you're my family member, you're right about a situation. I'm more objective, like watching what I think is right. But there are people who are like, well, if you're related to me or you're my friend, then I will yeah. defend your, your, no matter how wrong you are, I will defend you in a battle or in a discussion and debate. And that's always been unsettling to me because then you're no, not being I, I, pure. Well, yeah, I've had, I've had this conversation go around like you're in a bar and your friend starts a fight with somebody else and they're in the wrong they attack someone innocent. Whose side do you, what do you do? I drag my friend away that's from the situation. Yeah. But I wouldn't hurt somebody no, innocent. Neither would I. You know, even though that's my friend. Dep- but I mean, but, but I would step in the middle. But I if his friends myself. jumped in to help his the, the guy beat up my friend, then I would jump in. Well, this is where it gets tough. You know? <laughs> this is another great shot, by the way. Yes. Kane in the foreground. Yeah. Typing away. Typing away. And, and, and then you're fired. hard not to get swept into the movie but i think in a moment i think in this moment he's willing you're fired see i think cotton's smile leland's smile here as he comes up to see charles doing the negative review i think that was the walls coming down and the possibility of reconciliation in their friendship and then Wells fire, and then Kane fires him. Yep. And Kane fires without looking over his shoulder, without wanting the reconciliation. And that's when Cotton walks away. And that's that look on his face of like, "Yep, it's over." And he well, walks and, away. And, and we had another one of those slow dissolves. And mm. I think, well, because I think that Kane bought the firing with the bad review. Yeah, you know, in I mean? his in, mind, in his mind, he's right. like, "I'm finishing your bad review, therefore I'm honoring you." And now I can fire you. I'm getting the upper hand on you emotionally in my mind. Yep. Yeah. And and really, that's hurting himself. That's, right. a, that's a knife yes. in his own soul. Because he needs Leland. Well, people with deep insecurities have that desire to have the upper hand emotionally or noble-wise or ego. They just they need that upper hand in order to function in a situational relationship. Yeah. And because if they don't, then they destroy themselves thinking that they're constantly in a submissive position with someone. Well, and, and I mean... To be frank, you know, Cain is a study of a great man. Frequently, you don't get to be a great man by being uh, easy or mm-hmm. um, uh, n- nuanced. Yeah. You know, right. like 
most of these people we see throughout history are filled with flaws. Yeah. The only exceptions I can think of with all the biggest is Abraham Lincoln. Seems like right. he was uh, gentle and yep. soft and sensitive and filled with nuance. Mm-hmm. But most of the people are like, they they leave some bodies in yeah. their wake, you know? That's true. Um, I love the idea of sneaking in the cigars and, yeah. you know, this idea that he wants to keep them alive. And- yeah, they have some strange idea they want to keep me alive. <laughs> yeah. And the nurses and everything. It's, it's just, oh, there's so many great lines in this movie. It's no truer then than it is now. Yeah, I, yeah, I love old jo- Joseph Cotton. Mm-hmm. He, he, he is definitely an actor that seems to be made by the Mercury Theater and Orson Welles. You know, Absolutely. he brings him to Hollywood and he... And he's just so much fun. I like him in so many movies. Shadow of a Doubt, yeah. Third Man. Yeah. There's so many great roles. And Amerson's. Yeah. And Amerson's right. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the movie's only going to get darker. Yeah. Yeah. Now we go to Susan's. And we go back to Susan. Yeah, back So in. we know we're coming to the end of the movie. Right. Because we're, we're, we're ending where we started, which is with Susan. Right. And once again, we go through the sign, except this time it's not lit, it's not raining. Yeah. And we go through the skylight again. But she's not blotto. Yeah. And again, really good makeup on her, oh, too. Yeah. Incredible. Because hers is more subtle, you know? Well, because she's younger. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's great portrayal by her, Dorothy Comingore. Well, in her way of looking at Kane, mm-hmm. you see the love for him and you see the, the, that she took a long time to kind of figure him out mm-hmm. and come to some wisdom and some perspective about him. Mm-hmm. And it's still pretty broken by it. Well, we talked about this on a podcast, like I think uh, months ago or a long time ago, we talked about this idea of Susan. Is she, how much is she changed by the relationship? And is she still like, is she grateful that she went through the relationship because it did show her strength that she didn't ha- know she had? Right, because she fought back against this man. She, this was a girl who was like worried about her mom not uh, or having visitors. You know, like worried about her landlady having visitors. And now she's, you know, like married into this incredible fortune, uh, attached to this incredible man, but endured all this shit through her formative years, her twenties and thirties of this kind of emotional browbeating, emotional destruction from this man. Then found her strength and walked away from him. And there's a power in that that she may have found within herself. She may not have known that she had, you know, I go, I'm trying, I'm, I'm kind of struggling with the word grateful, you know, is that, mm, sure. is that there's no question that what you say is true is that she had to find strength mm-hmm. through going through some horrible, horrible stuff mm-hmm. to finally stand up for herself at the end. Right. You know? And so, and had she not had that experience, she wouldn't have found that strength. Right. But like you look at someone who's been through a terrible experience did they go, oh, I was grateful I had that experience? My feeling is probably not, you know, like maybe, I mean, but this is one of the things just in, in life is yeah. that sometimes it's hard to regret things in the past because you are where you are. Yeah. And they made you who you were. Exactly. Even if they were horrible. Right. You know, but am I grateful for those? And I didn't have things like this. <laughs> you know, are people grateful for them? I don't know. Right. That's an interesting word. Mm. Again, we see the great performance. I totally agree of our opera teacher. Mm-hmm. He is fantastic. Um, and and Kane's just, you will do what I say. Even though realistic, it's like, why are you trying to make her be an opera singer? Right. Like, wh- why because are you she doing is his this? battlefield. She is his battlefield. From everyone that's told him no 
about now because he's now he's starting to hear no more and more ever since the election. He yeah. hears more, no more, more. So he tries to turn Susan in because he thinks that she's this pure, sweet thing that should be loved by the masses. Right. But you could have her. Well, this is what's interesting is that Marion Davies was uh, close with Charlie Chaplin and yeah. a really great comic actor. She gave up her act. But career. Hearst wanted her to be in dramatic movies. And it's like. If you had if you had said she's going to be a popular singer, she probably would have done fine. Right. But you're forcing her to like pick a battle you can win. Why is he picking a battle he cannot win? Once again, self-destructive impulses. Yeah. It's like the battle the whole battle with Susan from the beginning is a battle he can't win. Well, and I guess what's the point of winning a battle that you can win? You know? True. I mean, if you're the wealthiest man in the world, everything's easy for you. So yeah. there's no triumph in, you know, Winning, you know, but winning something that's impossible, that would be something. It's a valid point. But again, that's ego, isn't it? Oh, well, yeah. What's this movie about? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> um, and for him to convince himself that she's good when he knows she's not a good He singer. knows she's not he good. Knows. And this, so now we're back here again, except we're shooting it from the opposite direction. Um, and, and we have the same sort of chaos. And now we're backstage behind her as everything is happening. Yeah. And, and it's so... The way this is scored is so painful. Mm. It just, it's like uh, tense and stressful to watch. Yeah. That sounds like an old Egyptian yeah. movie, you know? Um, and man, that's a great shot. Yeah. Looking through at the audience. And this back. is what it feels like to be on a stage like it really that. really does. When you can't see the audience and you're just yeah. like, God, I hope, I hope I get it right. I hope there's people actually out yeah. there. You know? Fantastic shot. Well, this is where you like Greg Tolan's genius in lighting. Oh, yeah. That shadow growing across his face. Mm-hmm. Um, and and again, we're going to touch in with our characters. We're <sighs> back in time with Leland as he's looking at the program. <laughs> I mean, he's already looking at the yeah. program because he knows she sucks. Yeah. Um, and he's only there because he has to be. Yeah. The, and 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 we're going to see Bernstein in the audience who yeah. doesn't really understand it. <laughs> he doesn't know that she's bad. He didn't know what he's doing there. Right. Um, yeah. The whole gaggle of reporters there. They work for him. Yeah. And she see her awkwardness and. Yeah. Um, and I love his reactions through the whole thing. Like, yeah, you're doing okay. You're doing. No, that one's pretty good. That was pretty good. Okay. Now relax here. Bernstein's falling asleep. Yeah, of course he is. You know. And we think this is like a three hour long opera. I love, I love the thing that he's doing with his program, tearing it slowly into shreds. I'm not going to Great over the shoulder from Wells. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to lie to you, Steve. I've been, I've been to plays or performances like that. I have too. Where you're just ripping, you want to rip that program and just do it. I may or may not have been in one that you were acting in. (laughs) (laughs) I will absolutely accept the Thrance situation. Oh, Oh. the Thrance. It still wasn't the worst one. What? What was the worst one? Oh, you know. Which one? Tell me. America. Oh, it was America. Uh, it was a 9-11 play by a... Was I in that? No, no, not no. you. No, oh. Thrance is the worst. Thrance is my Thrance, worst. Right. Thrance was your worst. Okay. No, this was someone else. I love him yeah. slamming his finger. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's very like Mark's brother-esque. Mark yeah. Brothers-esque. Well, there is comedy in yeah. this movie. That's when he's look, look at the look he gives the guy. I was like, who are you to... <laughs> so we're about to get to a moment with Orson Welles where the power of his performance is so intense yeah when the there was little polite applause i love the torn up program yeah. little polite applause the applause ends and that cane through an act of will starts the applause again yeah and this is it right here camera pulls back he's not clapping while everyone else claps the clapping ends 
And then he's like, no, that wasn't enough. Look at, I mean, just the energy coming off of him. Wow. It's like radioactive. So you and I see this differently. Yeah. Because I think everyone's clapping and he is caught up in his own internal dialogue about the whole situation, about what his own, because he's, because she's not a human being to him. She's a prop to him, to what he's trying to his own battle. So then when, then when he realizes he hasn't been clapping with the rest of the audience, he feels like he's going to be found out so he starts overcompensating and claps even oh interesting and that's yeah. my opinion now, I'm oh. gonna, you may be right i may be right. i don't know but that's how oh, no, i know yours see makes it. total sense that's how i see it is that he's so caught up in this thing but e- either way yes there is a lot yes that is a lot going on mm-hmm. and of course she's gotten the bad review from the examiner right you know how could they, which she he doesn't tell her that he wrote it but we start to see these ugly things from susan though yeah right like she says well she is what so kind of friend is that well, she is so unlikable. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel terrible for her. Right. But I don't like her. No. Um, right. Where's the sweet girl he met that her was Her like, screeching yeah. harpy lo- And he's put her through this horrible thing. Right. And we find out about this $25,000 check he sent to Leland. Again, I'm going to buy your love and fire you at the same time. And I love this beautiful storytelling. $25,000 check and there's torn up things in there this, this is the check it's the check of course right beautiful storytelling but what's most important is the declaration declaration yeah oh, god what an ultimate fuck you at the yeah. end man mm. and then you're awful funny <laughs> but let's see how old he is yeah and he says what is it an antique yeah yeah because he knows Leland is right. Yep. Yeah. Yes. And it drives him insane. Why? Because Leland represents old money, which is what Thatcher was, which mm. all these people are to him. And so the fact that they ended up being right about him drives him insane. Well, and the fact, if I wonder if he hadn't gotten the Declaration of Principles right now, mm-hmm. if he would have let Susan out of the opera singing in the scene. But at this moment, he's going, no, you're going to keep doing it. I'm going to, I can't control any of these other things, but I can control you. I think it's a valid argument to make, Steve. And that shot of the shadow coming over her face, man. So amazing. And her just cowering and going back. That is, that's a prey afraid of its predator. No question about it. That is a pure dominance moment. And now we go into this montage, you know. Poor woman, man. Yeah. I mean. Well, you've been on stage. Obviously, we just talked about it in something that wasn't good. Yes. I've been on stage. There was a moment I had a monologue where I was so clear that the audience hated me. Yeah. Like, not hated the character, but just hated. I mean, the play wasn't good either. And I remember I was was in the show for six weeks. And for six weeks, I had to go out on stage and do this moment. It's the worst. And it was just to have to do it at this level, Mm -hmm. go around the world and be hated. Well, listen, doing Harry Potter for a, a year and a half. Four shows, yeah. four or five shows every 45 minute set. It's 30 new people who are walking in judging you every yeah. single time. Yeah, but that one, you were great and they loved you. Well, I'm sure, sure, but there were the shows time. where I didn't get loved well, and, sure. I, and people didn't clap and people just walked out feeling uninspired. Yeah. So you, the balance is constantly there. It, it gets to you. It fucking I'm pretty gets sure, to you. by the way, this is an oversized spoon and medicine. Oh, yeah. In the <laughs> foreground, I think. And I think the phone later on is also oversized in order to oh, get okay. this perspective. But this is, again, beautiful storytelling this is show don't tell at its best we understand from this shot exactly what has just happened which right. is she's attempted suicide and i'm surprised it's not bernstein with him i have always been surprised oh, by this moment that, that it's not bernstein with him yeah um 
Yeah. It, it, it's it's got to be when reality does hit Kane, and it does a few times, mm-hmm. like things he can't really hide from, mm-hmm. you know? But even here, he won't admit that she tried to kill herself, because no. then that would mean that he's in the wrong. Of course. But the doctor knows. Well, but the doctor still cowers to him. Of course. You know, it's like, okay, yeah. He's got to get that paycheck. Yeah. Well, and it is, you know, to be to be fair, that is a really tough. Yes. You know, but again, the doctor does what you're supposed to do. What Kane should have done when he was confronted by by a fuck. Why can't I remember his name? The the boss guy, the boss guy. Gettys. When he's confronted by Gettys, that's what you're supposed to do. Sometimes it's not worth the battle. Sometimes like you have to swallow your pride and live to fight another day. Well, and this is, you know, we see Kane sit mm-hmm. alone and go through something. Sometimes it feels like sometimes he feels the need to punish himself, you know, for Absolutely. his sins. Absolutely. Um, and this is one of those times. Yeah. But you think he feels terrible and yet he still tries to push her because he says, this is when you're supposed to fight. This is when you're supposed to do yeah. these kinds of things. And then he finally realizes that, I mean, this is such, and she's so, vulnerable yeah and, yeah she almost looks like a wild animal that's been caught well and know? and with the other thing you see in this scene she does love him of course she does on so, you know yeah. is for everything he's done to her mm-hmm. well because he he knows she knows that he did it from a place of wanting her to be successful wanting her to pursue her dream wanting her to be this incredible soap uh, uh this opera singer and unfortunately it's not possible and so she realized it for herself and she just wants him to realize it so they can both let it go. Yeah. And and now he says that's... this thing of like, we're going to do things your way. Mm-hmm. Not my version of your way, but your way. Mm-hmm. And that's, he's lying. It's not true. And he's lying. Well, I think he <laughs> thinks it's true. Sure. But once again, it's his, it, he's trying to be noble, but he cannot stop his impulses to have things his way. Well, and it is hard for any of us, you know, like if I'm trying to do something for my wife, it's I'm trying as much as I'm trying to do it, what mm-hmm. she wants, I'm doing my version of what she wants. Sure. You know, because I am me. But you, you wait know? for her to validate that your version of what she wants works. Well, and this is the thing about being sensitive, a thing that Kane is not, yeah. is like, how do you check in with the other person and feel their feelings? Well, I disagree that he's, I think he's sensitive. I think he's a sensitive person. I don't think he's considerate. Well, we're, we're using sensitive in two terms. Okay. He is sensitive in that things hurt him. Yes, that's what But I he mean. is not sensitive to other people and yes. their feelings. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. He is not empathetic. Do you? Yes. Bingo. Do you think she's better off building puzzles and holding like uh, meetings with their friends who fly in and all these get togethers and hosting these parties? Do you think she's happier doing this shit than she was doing doing the opera? Doing the opera. Oh, yeah. Really? I think I think I think this is a miserable existence too. Yeah, well, I think they're both miserable. I existence. think, but that was a publicly miserable existence. I mean, True. well, and maybe I'm putting my own stamp on things. It's like to be left alone, to be in the fancy, fancy house, right. you know, and having people come in having parties all the time, who aren't probably aren't really her friends, mm-hmm. and it's all sort of phony. Mm-hmm. That still sounds better than having the world stare at you while you're being humiliated over and over again. Well, and I think this is where Hearst. And Luella Parsons and the people involved with Hearst, you can create a little bit of understanding why they were pissed off about this movie because this is Hearst and Marion Davies now. They had seen how much Marion Davies really loved Hearst and put up with some of the stuff 
Hearst's behavior, right. but it was always love. Like there was always genuine, and all the accounts that you read, there was genuine love for him. Well, and, and this like 50 years his senior, her senior, but still she had love for him. Absolutely. Well, when he, Hearst went bankrupt, she sold her jewelry property and gave him the money. Yeah. You know, I mean, she, the, the, and to be clear, this is really their lives. Marion Davies did love jigsaw puzzles and they did have in San Simeon, these soirees of people every weekend coming up for these huge parties and go on pick. I mean, this is the, she enjoyed doing them. She did, which is different than what, uh, Susan Alexander does. Yeah. Right. And so that's where I think the anger, comes. these are cool puzzles, by the way, they're really cool. Um, the, uh, they made this world so bleak and so empty and so cold. Right. Yeah. By the way, the statues on either side of the fireplace, they had, my understanding is they're statues that are identical to those in miniature next to her piano in the apartment where Kane uh, first meets her. How interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And again, the sound design with the echoing and the, and the deep, deep focus shots, like they're so far away from each Mm -hmm. other and isolated and cold. Mm -hmm. Like you're in this beautiful space that just seems totally devoid of humanity. It's yeah. akin to what he has with Emily in a different way. And with Emily's, it's more immediate and you see the changes. But every single time you see them, they're further and further apart. Yeah. Every single time That's now. That's a really good yeah. point. I mean, she has to yell across the room to him. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Well, and, and talking about how, you know, we're going to go on this picnic and it's everything is within... Kane's control. Mm-hmm. And by the way, this is also true of Hearst that he had these people over and they really had to do what he wanted them to yeah, do. Of course. Yeah. yeah. What's that? The cat's meow. That movie kind of highlights right. that a little bit. Right. Um, if you guys, uh, speaking of Edward Herman, it's Edward Herman. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. I like Edward Herman a lot. He was very good. He was a very good actor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's this really weird bit of, uh, animation. There's like an animated bird in this shot yeah. that always seems strange to me. Yeah. It's a pterodactyl. Um, it's not a bird. It's yeah. a pterodactyl. Um, which I think uh, is stock footage they used from King Kong. Oh, really? From what I think, oh, from wow. what I heard. Yeah. Right there. See, that's a pterodactyl. Yeah. That's bizarre. Um, yeah, maybe you're right. Yeah. Um, man, I would so love to go to one of Kane's parties. <laughs> I okay. really would. That's all you son. Yeah. Not me. That seems like an exercise in, in grandiosity. It definitely is. Good question. <laughs> um, Look how old he is now, man. Yeah. He's really and in this weird tent, like we're out. That's a picnic. Wow. I love the physicality of how he's sitting. Like how his chest, his belly yeah. is just so almost consuming his head. Yeah. Yeah. Look at it. Like where is he mentally when he listens to her? It's almost like he's high, dude. Like he's on opium or something. He just seems so. He, he, yeah, he's like Jabba the Hutt. At yeah. point. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, like he's created his little pleasure world. Yeah. And, and, and he's, but he's not getting any pleasure from it. Mm-hmm. That's what's so, what's so sad about Kane. Yeah. Is he at the, the second half of his life is he's just expenditures on his whims mm-hmm. and controlling everyone for his whims and has no joy. Yeah. The joy, you know, the Kane that we met when he, we got to the paper, when they took over the paper, mm-hmm. that guy was having fun. Yeah. This guy's not. No, right. That's what happens. But I think what's great about this scene, when you juxtapose it with the scene earlier where she cowered in his shadow, there is no shadow now. Well, and here's the moment. And you gotta love me. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And he slaps her. But she stays standing on her knees. She does yeah. not sit back on her heels. No. She st- and she takes the slap and she says, well, don't apologize or don't say you didn't mean it or whatever. Well, him slapping her, that is her triumph. 
Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. That is her. Like I finally got to you Mm -hmm. because she has finally figured out what Leland figured out. Right. Is that it's all about this love on your terms, Mm -hmm. you know? And what does he do? When people get his number. Yeah. Yeah. Lashes out. Yeah. Whether it's verbally or as we see here, physically. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now we're going to see this scene again. Yep. Again, he's going to try to convince her to stay. Mm-hmm. But it's almost like, dude, it's almost like a daughter's room. It the, is. The dolls, the, the dolls. little animals dr- uh, uh, you know, dr- drawn on the walls and the big lace curtains, the dolls on the fucking shelves. Like all of it feels like, a, in a sense, because that's probably what he sees her as. It's like childlike person or infantile or teenager type person so well and, and it's funny he almost in this scene gets her to stay yes it's very close oh almost. once again tra- these are tragic moments throughout the yeah. whole movie where he can find happiness but his hubris his ego his desire to be loved overwhelms what he should say or do in certain moments yeah this is the you know will be it'll be your way not my way mm-hmm. not, and she's and he, she softens towards him and he and he's reaching out and he's accepting that she can have her own rights in her own space and then he says you can't do this to me which is the same thing he said to her already before yeah and we see this in relationships sometimes uh, people apologize saying the same things yep and they the people come back to them because there is a comfortability in the relationship. That well, you want to believe that it's going to change. You do. In general, people don't change well, that much. True. Or only very slowly over time. But I think it's the evil you know versus the evil you don't know. True. And sometimes people stay in relationships longer than and they And here's should. her moment of strength. Yeah. I can't do this to you? Oh, yes, I can. Mm-hmm. What, what I like is how she started it. Yeah. Oh, I see. It's you this is happening right. to which is really great. Well, Kane is solipsistic. You know, the universe entirely exists around him. Yeah. And that, man, Orson, again, Orson Welles' performance and the shot of her going through those doors. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we're back to Susan Alexander. <laughs> I, lo- I love, I love, she's become kind of a fun broad yep. at, at the end. A you fun know? broad, yeah. She yeah. Sure. sure, yeah. She's been through a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, she drinks. She when she's not she's drinking, drunk, yeah. she has this nice lucidity to her. Well, she's older; she understands now, having lived through the experience. Yeah. Um. And this is another great moment. Yeah. I feel kind of sorry for Mister Kane. Don't you think I do? Don't you think I do? Yeah. Right. Because she knows he could have been better. She she saw the possibilities of him, which is probably why she stayed married to him for so long. Yeah. But in the end he couldn't do it. He couldn't help himself. And in each scene, we have ways of getting in and out. Like, so, so with Leland, mm-hmm. we had those dissolves in and out right. here. We have these. And again, every single scene is done a little bit differently, yeah. different sense of style, new ideas. Okay. This guy, <laughs> he's the Butler. This almost feels like something out of a noir. Well, you know, you know Kane's really influential in noir. Yeah. The use of shadows and the way it's filmed. Well, of course, you know, very, very influential. Yeah. Um, Oh, we're right. We could tell that we're sort of in the detritus now of his life. You know, we're right at the end. All of the stuff is just sitting around. Yeah. Um, and the people he's around are more opportunistic. Right. 
right? So well, this guy this didn't guy. care about Kane, right? You 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 get the sense he was a really good professional, right? And he knew he did he knew what to do. Mm-hmm. But how you feel about yourself is how you choose the people you surround yourself with, right? So maybe yeah. he, I'm sure he had you know at this point hated himself so deeply he chose these kind of opportunistic uh, right. fake. I love the cock the cuck to the cockatoos is everything, yeah, right. Because you have you're getting into this nice vibe between him and this, and all of a sudden it shocks you back into right. this scene. Well, that's what I mean by a hard cut. Mm-hmm. That is a shocking cut, and that we're just at the end of the moment that we left before with yep. with her walking out, mm-hmm. and now we're going to go back into this room and watch one of the great, again, the intensity and power of Orson Welles's performance and the stiffness of his body. Mm-hmm. Um, and he cut his hand pretty badly apparently mm-hmm. in the middle of this. Um, he did it one take, yeah, which is incredible. Yeah. Apparently after it, he said, I really felt that. I really felt that or something like that. Mm. Um, it's, it's obvious. Yeah. I mean, his, it looks like a man completely going out of control. Right. You know, a man who's only lost emotions once earlier in the film, as you said, with Gettys. Yeah. And this is the full tantrum. Because I think in some way he's angry at her because he sacrificed so much for her in his mind. Right? He gave up his marriage to Emily. He gave up his political career. He Hmm. put his reputation on the line for her as a singer. He built her an opera house. He did all these things and she can still leave him because... You know, he mistreats her or doesn't like he that. And it's the vanity. It's the ego of it. all. It's so funny because, again, I interpret it different to me. This is all about his realization that he, in fact, has nothing. Oh, really? That he has nothing in his wow. life. Wow. Completely all all of that. That he, he he who wanted control and love on his terms. Yeah. In the end of his life, he has nothing. Well, why destroy of, her room? Why not go destroy the living room or the whatever the statues and well, like why her room? Because that's where he is. I mean, I think what you say is true too, but I yeah. think this is just the like, oh, there, there's, I, I can't control anything. I can't. Uh, and there it is. And there it is. Now is like, did he give that to her? What is the story behind the snow globe? This is something that has haunted me ever since the first yeah, couple know. of times I've seen well, it. And, and yeah, was and, this in his mother's things? We don't know. I, I wouldn't think it would be in his mother's things. Okay. But did he give it to her and was he aware of it or did he just discover it in that moment and it reminded him of his, I don't know the answer. Right. Which is what great films do, man. Yeah. They have these. Like, and again, the publicness of his mm-hmm. collapse. But he is, it breaks your heart. He is legitimately in tears here. Like, oh yeah. He's almost childlike in his no, sadness. He's, with he's He's broken down to nothing. Yeah. In front of all these people. He's almost regressed, yeah. in my opinion, to that 10-year-old boy or 9-year-old boy out there. And yes, yeah, I agree. Well, and, and now Because once this... again, this powerful woman has left him. His mom left him. Susan has left him. Yeah. Emily left him. Leland is, you know, right. gone. But it's the women that yeah. leave him. That is, I think, more powerful. Um, and here we have the him, infinite reflections of himself. Which I think is important because the whole movie is about everyone else giving you their reflection mm, of him. Mm, that's a great point. Yeah. That's, I, I, you know, well, and it was so, I, I just go back to this thing of, I really think Kane is unknowable mm. as much as we can talk about him and learn about him. You know what he's really feeling and thinking. It's hard to know. It's up to us yeah. to decide as we watch it. Yeah. Because I think in some ways, Steve, you can make a case that he didn't know himself 
uh, or else he, he'd been smarter about how he did certain things. I think he believed he was a certain way and he yeah. found out that he wasn't. Yeah. And that was the real destruction of his soul, so to speak. Yeah. Well, you know, and this is what's so weird is how prophetic this movie is about Wells. That's I've yeah. say this numerous times. It's yeah. amazing how it is. And I wonder, and this is the chicken and the egg thing. Did this movie haunt him so much that he became what we what he becomes in this movie? Or was this prophetic by accident? I, I don't, don't know. No. Or did he see into himself what, you know, the side of him? Right. Because he was a person at 24 believed he could do anything. Mm-hmm. And then he was a person who. Shit before that when he was yeah. 10. Yeah. 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 Um, now we have this great montage of packing up. Yeah. Um, and this idea of cataloging a person's stuff to find out who they are. Mm-hmm. I'd hate to have someone do that to my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, so here's the deal if they have the sled he must have gone possibly he definitely did did he, he, he i think he definitely did okay. i think he to had his mother's things or he had them all shipped to florida but did how much ever, has he gone through them that's the thing yeah he ever goes so that's why i think in some way the snowball the snow globe was there in her mother's things mm. but maybe not i don't know i bet we I, could look at what your snow globes were invented oh good point find that good out. point um yeah, and we see little bits of things we saw before, including that uh, the cup that he yep. got when he came back. Right. Um, and again, we get this question of, uh, we come back to Rosebud. Did you ever find out what it meant? Yeah. Um, and then, then, of course, he never did. No. Now, is Joseph Cotton in there somewhere? Oh, is he? I don't know. Oh, That's I don't know. Because they were all at the beginning. He was at the beginning because, you know, he's in Shadows. Right. Obviously, the new versions, you can see him because of the HDTV stuff, but like... Well, right. You can still adjust your TV. I think. Yeah, see, there he is. That's him in the hat, right? Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, wow. See, we don't know that it's him, but you can tell when he sneaks into the light right there. Mm. By the way, when I first saw this, I always thought that was Catherine Hepburn Mm. in the hat and glasses, the woman there. Here we have the, and this is, you know, what's a life? These are all pieces in a jigsaw puzzle. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I go back to this. This is this idea that we cannot figure it out. I believe what he says that Rosebud would not explain things, even though we find out what Rosebud is. Right. I think Rosebud is, it does explain something, mm-hmm. but it doesn't explain Kane. Well, and I think we, unless we write biographies of ourselves, are always going to be kept alive by people's memories of us. Right. Only we can really right. know ourselves. But if, it's if we do, if we do, right? Yeah. But it's people's memories of us, people's interpretations right. of our behaviors, that are what's going to be talked about once we die. Well, and I've had so many experiences. I'm sure you've had them too, mm. where you actually hear someone else's interpretation of your behavior, <laughs> and you're like, "Well, that wasn't what I was thinking at all. Right. I was doing that for an entirely different set of reasons." Yeah. Yep. You know. Um, and then also sometimes someone calls you on a thing and you go, oh, wow, I do do that. Yes. You know, maybe that is why I do that thing. How weird. Yeah. Yeah. And now we have just this slow move over all the stuff, Mm -hmm. just the detritus of his life, Mm -hmm. all boxed up and dirty and really empty. It's a very, for as full a room as this is, this looks like a very empty life. Which to me me, mirror the, he collected people as well. And this is what he left them with, or this is how he was left or how he, you know, how they left him, you know, empty. Yeah. And, broken old. And we're slowly going to move. There it is. We see yeah. the sled for the first time. And, and, 
And I don't, the first time I saw it, the first time you see it, did you know it was a sled? And next to a picture of his mother. Oh, right yeah. Right. Did you know it was a sled before you saw it? I didn't. Oh, I did when he was throwing it in. Right, like right here, I could. No, I mean, but before you watched the movie, no, nope. I didn't either. I didn't know it was. No, thank God, because I was young when I yeah, saw it, and I didn't have it spoiled for me. Um, and seeing that rosebud, yeah, and and again, very smartly, they go into the real close up to make sure, damn sure, <laughs> that you see it's a sled. <laughs> this, I, I don't know that this is the first spoiler alert thing in <laughs> history, but this is one of the great. Yeah. Final moments of a film of all time. Yeah. You know, watching that word rosebud burn off. Yeah. And what all that, that's why I go back the scene with mom and dad and what all those relationships are. Yeah. And of course, where does the man's life go? It goes up and smoke. smoke. Yeah. yeah. And a black smoke, you know, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Good point. Yeah. Very much. so. Yeah. But the music is very triumphant in a way. Mm, darkly triumphant. Darkly though, triumphant. Yeah. yeah. And we're back to no trespassing. Right. We're back to you don't actually get to come in. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a great point. Yeah. 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 It's a, it is an unsettling, mm-hmm. haunting film for me. Mm-hmm. That's why I love it so much. And the lights out. Look, the light yeah. that let us in is now yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So. Oof. That's Kane. So great to watch it again, man. I, yeah. just, I love this movie so effing much, dude. And then... And I love the credits, by the way. We should talk about this. It's a great <laughs> yeah. credits sequence. Is that we get these little clips from all mm-hmm. these people. Mm-hmm. Um, Joseph Cotton. Dorothy Comingore. Right. I love credits like this. I, li- mm-hmm. I really like movies that do them. Um, it's a lot of fun. The just go disturbing Agnes Moorhead. <laughs> <laughs> Ruth Warwick. Yeah. And it's interesting the lines they chose. Yeah. You're going to get one of those. That's such a great scene. Yeah. Man. <laughs> Hilarious <laughs> Erskine Sanford. <laughs> I, w- I wish there was more Everett Sloan movies of in the course. world. He's so great. Lady from Shanghai. So yeah. many goods. But he had a tragic end too. So. Yeah. If you read the stuff, William Allen. William Allen, by the way, did a lot of the directing when Orson was on camera because oh, they're wow. never on screen together. Oh, how interesting! So he, 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 it was William Allen that Orson checked in with to say, "How was my performance?" Damn. Yeah. I was so grateful to get to see William Allen. That's talk really about cool. it. Yeah, it's really cool. meant a lot. I saw Kirk Douglas introduce Spartacus four years ago, and I saw Allen two years ago. Oh, wow. everything! Wow. And this is in a way which is so funny. Look, and Orson, of course, puts himself last. That's right. that's almost egotistical to put yourself last, trying to convey that you're not as egotistical as you actually are. Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> there's nothing you can do. Honestly, what else? Is, you know, wherever he puts himself, it's his movie. You know, I guess. Just, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, and then editing Robert Wise. People should know that's Robert Wise who directed West Side Story. Oh no, who directed West Side Story? West Side Story. Yeah, and Star Trek: The Motion Picture. Sound numerous music, other things. Yeah, yeah, great, yeah, great. Sound director. of music. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this uh, was like, uh, yeah. This is, this is 1941, mm-hmm. and this is still unlike any movie ever made. Yeah. This is, it is, it is Citizen Kane. That's it. And for those who are watching this, maybe for the first or second time, Herman Mankiewicz, uh, that guy who hosts on TCM, Joseph Mankiewicz, I think his name is, or... Yeah, he's the grandson? He's the grandson of, of Herman Mankiewicz, right? Yeah. And at times he defends his father's contribution to Citizen Kane a little too fervently for my taste. But, well, you know, people your, have their your, egos. It's your family. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so I hope you enjoyed our very first full commentary track. 
I really enjoyed doing it. It was a Me lot too. of fun. This was a yeah. lot of fun, especially because um, we've never, I don't know if we've ever watched it together. No, we did. Cause we saw it. We went to the Chinese oh, and saw it together. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Um, that's right. Which was amazing. Yes. Yeah. So uh, if this was your first time viewing Citizen Kane, <laughs> I think you've made an odd choice, but I want you to go back <laughs> and now watch it and really sit down and watch it again, because it is, it is a powerful, fascinating movie. If you get a chance to see it in the theater, yeah, there's nothing like seeing it in a big screen with a real audience. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of fun. It is. Um, yeah, uh, I want to echo Steve's sentiments. Uh, thanks for listening to our commentary and listen. And you got a glimpse into Steve and I's like unabashed love for this movie and respect for this movie and Orson Welles himself. And so that's what's uh, was. It's great to share that with each other and then share it with you as well. And yeah, if you were watching, if you haven't watched the movie and you watched it this way for the first time, God love you, but go watch the movie multiple times. I guarantee you, no matter where you are in life, you will get different things out of it every time you watch it. And you'll notice different things and things, different things will will, uh, affect you in certain ways every single time you watch it. And if you figured out what, uh, what Citizen Kane means and (laughs) who he is and what's you, if you have the answers, then please visit us on Facebook at the cinephiles. You can, uh, you can leave comments on our YouTube site. You can leave reviews on iTunes. We love getting the reviews. They're really important. You can subscribe to us there on iTunes, Mm -hmm. on YouTube, on TuneIn, on Spotify, on Stitcher, on all sorts of places. You can support us on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash the cinephiles. You can buy Citizen Kane and any other movie we've ever done on cinephiles.net. And as always, you can reach me at SR Morris on Twitter. John, where can they reach you? You can always reach me at the Roca says on Twitter and on Instagram. Um, and yeah, I don't know what else to add other than that. We had so much fun doing this and we'd like to know if you enjoyed this commentary track and you want us to do more of them, mm-hmm. let us know. And we can make that more of a regular part of the cinephiles. Yeah. Um, it was a lot of fun to do and I did it. There were no notes in front of me. There's not going to be at any editing. Uh, so, uh, if you want more of them, we certainly can think about doing some more commentary Absolutely. tracks. All right. Well, that's it for this week. We will see you next time on the cinephiles. <laughs>